oddities late night movies with rob and zach this is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre of normal or off kilter for contemporary audiences occasionally these projects gel most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp i'm zach and I'm Rob, and this week on Cinemodities, we are in episode number two of our sketch comedy series, which I have to remind everybody, including Zach, because I think he tries to block it from uh, all of his thoughts, conscious and subconscious, that it's a two-month series of sketch comedy. And we're truly kicking it off this week. Not that we didn't with the Idiot Box last week, but I think that was a special case. You know, as we talked about, it was a wrapper for music videos. Uh, it's only an hour long in total of its entire existence. Now we're moving into something that is uh, more true sketch comedy, I would say. We're taking you back to the 90s. HBO, Mr. Show with Bob and David. How long should we wait for the applause break, Zach? Yeah. <laughs> or does that just go the whole time ever since you like you do the intro and the applause never stops? <laughs> it never stops. It never will stop. Folks, okay. if you thought the Annihilation sound was bad, this is going to be even worse. <laughs> okay. So, Mr. Show with Bob and David. Um, I think I want to start off this by saying this was a tough one for me. Because as I was preparing for the sketch comedy series and, you know, picking what I want to talk about, what episodes or sketches I wanted to discuss, uh, The Idiot Box was a piece of cake, you know, whole thing, only an hour long, watch it all. As I was preparing for Mr. Show, there were many times where I was sitting here watching episodes thinking, how do I sell Zach on watching all 40 <laughs> episodes of this? <laughs> And eventually, I realized that I couldn't. Is that is that fair to say that you would have not gone for that, Zach, for all forty episodes of Mister Show for I, one one episode of Cinemodity? No, that would have been a very uphill battle for you, sir. Yes, uh, that's what I figured. Um, but then it was still difficult because I knew I had to cut it down to a manageable amount of time. I knew I was trying to shoot for that, you know, hour forty-five to two-hour range of total material for Zach to watch. I knew he had to get a good cross section of of Mister Show. Um, but still it was tough, you know, there's, there's some episodes that, uh, we're not going to talk about today that I think are fantastic. I think they're all fantastic. Um, there's, there's just so much in here uh, that I wish we could get to. So I'm going to tell you right now, Zach, that the next time we do sketch comedy, we will have to return to this comedy duo of Bob and David. Okay. Oh, no, you can't oh, argue no. with that. <laughs> you can't argue with that. It's set in stone. The next time we do sketch comedy, which guess what, everybody picks up right after the end of this sketch comedy series. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, so, well, I can convince Alex Winter to come out of retirement and do more The Idiot Box. <laughs> this is where we truly split. We go to Splinter <laughs> Podcasts. One of us gets Cinem, and one of us gets Oddities. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. So, like I said, we had to cut it down. So I decided on four episodes, uh, and they are from season two, season three, and season four. Uh, it's not that I don't like season one. Uh, it's just season one, I think, uh, I, you had to, I had to cut something, unfortunately. Season one is also only four episodes long. There was a, a point in time where I was really tempted for us just to do the first season. But then I, I couldn't bring myself to not discuss the mustard and the mayonnaise 
in season three. Um, so we are going to discuss four episodes, season two, episode six, wonderfully titled The Velveteen Touch of a Dandy Fop. We're going to have to talk about that phrase a good bit. Season three, episode three, Oh, You Men. Season three, episode five, Please Don't Kill Me. And that's that's exactly what I said to Zach right before we started recording this. And then season four, episode six, another wonderful title, It's Insane, This Guy's Taint. <laughs> So, before we get into all of the stuff we have to discuss with Mr. Show, um, I wanted to ask Zach, as I think a lot of this series, or the episodes in this series will start with, what did you think of Mr. Show? Because I believe that you had not, we were not aware of it to any great extent. I, I don't think you've seen any of it. This was a first for you. And so, uh, with the four episodes, I'm assuming those are the only four you watched. You didn't go and uh, look, at any of the, look for any of the others. What'd you think, Zach? What's your, what's your initial impressions? Well, Rob, you were right. I did not go searching for more of this show. <laughs> I'm only watching the first, uh, the only four episodes you gave me. But I have to say, I am rather neutral on this. Okay. It has its moments. I could definitely see where this has its own place in the canon of sketch comedy of the late 90s. Mm -hmm. I guess mid, mid, mid 90s to late 90s. Yep. And how it would influence later things going on. But for the most part, I would say that I am kind of neutral about this. There's some things that I, I really liked. I wrote down all the bits or the sketches ah, I thought were funny. And sure. for the record, I know Rob likes doing this. Every single time we discuss something that he, that's a Rob's choice, he'll bring up literally every single moment. Be like, Zach! Do you remember that moment? And what's not <laughs> I still I still think of the perfect hair forever episode where I think there's a part in our recording where I talk for like two straight minutes describing a joke and then I ask you if it, if you thought it was funny and you're like I do not remember that happening at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said I have no idea where you even began with this. I couldn't even remember that far. <laughs> But no, I wrote down all the sketches that I liked, and if I don't have them mentioned on here, good chance I have no idea what they were then or now. Ah, okay, 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 okay. Good. That's that's what I like. I like when you have some stuff to highlight from from Mr. Show. Um, but okay, interesting. Um, Mr. Show uh, is definitely it's not the first sketch comedy I got into. You know, I think I had seen Key and Peele. Um, I had seen Chappelle show, Amanda show, of course, all that type of stuff. Uh, until I, it took me to find Mr. Show later in college. Um, I, I think I found it really just because it had David Cross in it. I'm a big fan of David Cross, you know, of Tobias Funke from Arrested Development. I loved him in that, and it just kind of grew from there. Uh, he's probably best known for his minor role in, what, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's a character actor extraordinaire. He really is. He's been a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, the Alvin and the Chipmunks movies where he goes on record and he's like, I just wanted to buy a house. That's why I did this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think I love David Cross. I wanted to find more stuff that he'd done. And in, uh, you search for David Cross. Mr. Show is one of the first things that pops up. Um, and I was kind of blown away when I first found out about this because I saw that it was Mr. Show with Bob and David. And I find out that Bob is Bob Odenkirk, who at that time I knew really the, in the only form to me, he was Saul from Breaking Bad, who now has his own TV show, Better Call Saul. But his name's not Saul; it's his prior name or something like that. Um, so I immediately, you know, downloaded this. I wanted to watch it. I started watching it. The first episode. I know we're not discussing it, but I have to bring it up. 
Zach, there are two members from Tool in the first episode <laughs> of this show. Seriously? <laughs> now so, it's know, starting to make sense. I'm I'm watching this, you know, in college, and I'm, I'm like, oh my god, you know, that's that's Maynard, and I'm just like blown away. And and then I I fell in love with the show. I fell in love with the structure of it. I think this is one of the most unique sketch comedy shows I've still have ever seen. I definitely think it's my personal favorite. Um, and it's just, you know, stuck with me ever since I've shown it to a bunch of people. And now Zach is, uh, among that pantheon. <laughs> Lucky me. So I, I do want to say like, while I consider it, um, you know, my favorite sketch comedy, and it certainly is influential that that's where I want to go next is the impact and legacy of, of Mr. Show. Cause this certainly has a bigger one than the idiot box. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, of certainly, you know, whenever sketch comedy comes around now, uh, people say they will very often cite this as one of their major influences. I know Key and Peele did. Portlandia does it all the time because I think Portlandia is, you know, very, very similar to this uh, Mr. Show and its structure and its comedy. Um, so this one's uh, definitely, definitely out there. And just like I mentioned, our Rolling Stones, Fortis Greatest Sketch Comedy Shows, where they rank the idiot box, what, 37? I don't know. I, I haven't. I haven't edited that, listened to that episode again yet, Zach. But it was definitely up there. It was near number 40. Mr. Show got ranked at number three. And, of wow. course, uh, you know, the, I think the two things before it were uh, Monty Python at number one. And I don't remember who they put at number two. We'll get to that in the next sketch comedy series. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even if you, if you just Google around for, you know, best sketch comedy shows of all time and read all these different articles from places you've never heard it's actually surprising you know of, of the the 10 or so that i looked at you know mr show is pretty much on all those lists so that that influence is there and like zach said you know you can see it knowing what we know now you know kind of watching this after the fact it's just like oh man you know I, i've seen this type of humor i've seen this type of setup and stuff like that and and it's pretty neat i think to me especially to still watch this and and find it as funny as I do, but intriguing in the sense where it's like, man, this really paved the way for a lot of modern comedy as we know it today. So, gotta give it props for that, right? Oh yeah, no, you can definitely see where this has a uh, carved out its own little niche in that subgenre. Yeah, yeah, yep. And like I already said, it was on um, HBO, which I thought was. I've always thought was really interesting. Um, and I think what I want to ask you, Zach, is I know you've only seen these four episodes. Um, there's nothing really... Do you think there's anything you saw that is kind of like a... You know, like shows get on HBO and I feel like, you know, they get a looser leash maybe. Or there's more they can get away with, you know, because it's HBO versus a regular, like a NBC or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So did you do you think that they like Bob and David really did anything that was HBO worthy, if that's the best way to describe it? Well, you have to look at kind of like the context of this. Sure. Because, again, the, the, the 90s were a very strict time for censorship. I know mm -hmm. when it came mm -hmm. to things, they kind of really kind of tightened the had to be what the FCC kind of really tightened its belt. Sure. A lot you can tell has been borrowed from this over the years. A lot, as yep. you already mentioned, and that's the things. Like, probably by today's standards, no. By today's standards, this is very tame. I think yeah. from what little of Key and Peele that I've actually watched, I'd say that they're even more overboard than this is, except for some of the language they use in this that they can't use because they're on cable. Yeah, but I could I could see where this would have been an HBO thing because it's also a little. You also got to remember in the nineties too. Not everything was as esoteric as it is now. Mm -hmm, Something like mm -hmm. this, like and, and as I did my research on uh, Bob Odenkirk, who unfortunately is not related to Steve Odenkirk. Very yeah. very <laughs> disappointed about that. Yep. <laughs> 
uh, I could see where something like this eventually would lead to Tim and Eric and that sort mm-hmm. of really more, oh God, a psychedelic or again, abstract sense of sketch comedy. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to agree. You know, of course, by today's standards, you know, that's how I see it, you know, where I think of this as like, or I remember that it's an HBO show and that's all they really do is, you know, they, they say fuck and, and that's it. That's kind of how they push it. I think there's nudity in maybe one episode, but you know, it's, it's like this, this almost seems like it could have been on any channel type of thing. Um, but it was HBO. Well, the highlight one of this, the sketches, the thing with the guy's taint that goes on for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, sure. You're, yeah, you can't. Uh, Comedy Central is not airing a a, se- uh, a sketch about a guy's taint for fifteen minutes. That's just like even at like eleven thirty at night, that would be like okay, you're 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 hitting the edge right there. Okay, that's Again, fair. That's a fair point. Yep. Now you can turn on. It's hysterical. You you can turn on TV at seven in the morning, and you'll have like erectile dysfunction pill commercials like there's no sense of shame or just being candid anymore no nowadays like i think i was even reading that this showed up on like ifc in later years and that's exactly where something like this would belong something like not on the mainstream because i don't think a mad tv not mad tv i don't think a comedy central audience would appreciate this Mm, but it's the same idea that like okay it's not too raunchy but for like mid 90s it was definitely beyond the pale for some people Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Especially the thing about South Park was just barely starting at this time. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was considered the really, like, wow, can you believe, yeah. like, this is what's happening on cable television now? But at least that kind of has the uh, element of, oh, it's animated. So yeah. it, can be, it can be a little bit more out there because of that. Kind of like, just it's, it's um, not genre, but the, the medium it's in. Yep. Where something like this would be like, okay, like some, again, we'll get more into the bits though, but I could definitely see why this was more of an HBO fodder than it would be uh, like Comedy Central. Because it's even nice. Where else would this have been except for Comedy Central? Mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yep. So, yeah, I, I also like to think about it with you, you bring up the taint sketch, which is in the season four episode, you know, titled It's Insane, This Guy's Taint. <laughs> um, but that, you know, aired in 1998. And that, you know, was more of the time like Oz had already started on HBO, which, you know, there's no no punches pulled in Oz. Like that's the one of the most, you know, graphic things I think HBO has ever released. And it was like their first big drama. So so maybe the the the, the culture was shifting a little bit as this, you know, this series came to a close. And then we eventually got HBO and and the other, you know, pay channels um, as we know them today type of thing. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, when did uh, Reno 911 start? Ooh, good Good question. Uh, no, it depends because I can. I think you did have this sort of like I don't want to say revolutionary thing in comedy, but this is when you did start to get that new kind of the new era of comedy where you had people like oh god, uh, not Louis Anderson, Louis C.K., Sarah mm, Silverman. Mm-hmm. You did have that kind of era of comedy, which for the most part, again, we've canceled Louis C.K. now. Yeah, but yeah, and I think yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. You really yes, you're right. The 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 taint sketch is the late later portion of this because looking at the comedy central thing like they started off with a lot of syndication like they did mystery science theater 3000 Mm -hmm. uh, politically correct with bill maher one of the first iterations of the daily show yep dr Katz, professional therapist when ben stein's money kids in the hall whose line is it anyway and then by like 97 99 it's when you start getting south park okay okay yeah, and then by like the early two thousands, they were going like all in on just like like let's just see how raunchy we can get. 
Sure. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it was that early 2000s. So, you know, next week when we break into the early 2000s with the Amanda show, that's going to be all raunchiness, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of going to give our audience some whiplash from that. We're going from this to uh, Amanda, 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 Amanda show. Amanda, please. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. It's it's always interesting to think of this as an HBO show and, and what HBO used to be, because definitely, you know, I, I definitely didn't watch HBO until it was, um, you know, y- you can't y- your parents have to watch a little bit of it first to see if it's all right for you type of thing. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Oh, man. OK. Well, speaking of HBO, since we're here, uh, we already said that, you know, this show is over. It ended, unfortunately. And one of the things I always want to discuss is why did it end? Unfortunately, we don't have a great story. Like, you know, they had to go make a movie. Like, Alex Winter had to go make Freaked. Um, But in my research, I found that Mr. Show uh, was always on Fridays at midnight for the first three seasons. That was just the time slot HBO had it in. And then for the last season, they switched it to Mondays at midnight. Ratings took a nosedive, and they eventually canceled it. So that's a little bit of a bummer, right? It makes me think of um, yeah. Adventure Time, where they were just like, you know, let's mess with the schedule and then get angry at the show when it underperforms. Well, yeah, like you said, but at that time, though, HBO... I'm trying to think. I don't know a lot about the history of HBO. But like you said, I would imagine something like this was a little... Too, remember, a lot of these executives, too, that these things that got them popular, got the networks popular, kept them going, after a while, you kind of outgrow your britches, and it's like, okay... Ooh, yeah, good point. This is this is this is below us now. We don't want like, it was cute while it lasted. We don't want anything to do with this. Mm, yeah, they 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 kind of got a sense of a new direction. You know, maybe with the the stuff like Oz, which started in '97, and you know that was such a big hit for them. Maybe they were more like, okay, you know, we need to focus on that type of stuff. And yeah, Mr. Show doesn't really fit. You know, I I know HBO does comedy shows still, of course, and I think you know, Funnier Die Presents is still going on on HBO right now, if I if I recall uh, correctly. But yeah, maybe you know, Tide's returning, and they they had to drop it. And I mean, I, I definitely get that from them switching it from Fridays to Mondays at a time slot, you know, mm-hmm. where they're like, yeah. you know, this is we're gonna put this in the back of the closet type of thing. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes that's some they sometimes work there, and other times they don't. Okay, okay, interesting. All right. So I guess, oh man, yeah, I'm I'm itching to talk about some sketches for this because I really want to know what you liked. But we have to talk about the cast and the writers. Zach, there's so many people in this. <laughs> okay, why do I sense another voice acting rant there's coming? So up. many people in this. Well, the reason you sense a voice acting rant is because we have one of the greatest voice actors of our time. Who's basically a regular on this show? It's Tom Kenny who leaves Mr. Show to go on to become the voice of SpongeBob and the Ice King in Adventure Time. It's great. <laughs> oh no, Zach Princess Bubblegum! So Princess Bubblegum! She's not in this. <laughs> oh, but you know who is in this? Jill Talley. Jill Talley is the regular woman, the brunette one. Um, she is actually married to Tom Kenny in real life. And she also does some voice acting, and she was the voice of Maja the Sky Witch on Adventure Time. Sentimental freshness. Oh, the psychic resonance on Hambo is nothing compared to this, baby! Listen, Maja, I am not here familiar anymore. I want to be a dancer. Is that the one that Princess Bubblegum falls in love with? No, that's Marceline, the vampire queen. <laughs> Ma- Maja the Sky Witch is like an enemy, is like a bad person, a bad, oh. bad guy type of thing. 
So if Zach knows, I don't know the last time, I don't think Zach likes to look at my my tab in the spreadsheet, but I have like a whole slew Adventure Time episodes specifically relating to this character who's voiced by Jill Talley because it's a really not, really cool story arc. So don't worry, Zach. We'll get there one day. <laughs> <sighs> So, yes, you have Tom Kenny, you have Jill Talley, you have, of course, David Cross, Bob Odenkirk. I think we discussed them enough already. They're, the, of course, the, the, I think the megastars to come out of this. Um, but, you know, you have Jack Black. He was uh, in a few of these episodes, more of the, I think, season one and season two. Um, Sarah Silverman's in this. She makes some appearances. Uh, Mary Lynn Rad- Radskub, Rayskub? I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she's Gail the Snail from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But apparently she's also Chloe in 24. I don't I don't know. I never watched 24, but that's her like best known as type of thing. Um, Jay Johnston, Jerry Minor, who goes on to be a hugely involved with, uh, you know, I think Tina Fey and that type of stuff. Um, Scott Adsit as well plays Pete Hornberger on 30 Rock, probably the best character on 30 Rock. Brian Posehn's in this. And now there's two more, Zach, that I want to highlight in particular. Because one I really need to talk about, and one I also have a pretty cool connection for. So we're going to go with the cool connection first. And it's John Ennis. John Ennis is a regular on Mr. Show. Um, he's he's the, the shorter, stockier guy. He's the one from the, the sketch where his friends keep tricking him to go to interventions. For Zach to know who I'm talking about, maybe. I think Zach, Zach's left. Zach's making himself a sandwich. <laughs> but John Ennis is in Twin Peaks The Return. What? And Yes, and it is the smallest role, but I remember the first time I watched Twin Peaks The Return, I noticed him, and I was like, oh my god, it was like, it's John Ennis from Mr. Show. John Ennis is the guy who originally is sitting at a slot machine and says bingo, and it's where Dougie Jones hears it from, and then he starts to say, you know, bingo, every time that he wins a jackpot. So that's John Ennis. He got a, he got like the, the smallest possible role on Twin Peaks. <laughs> we'll take the clip of it here. Bingo! And the last person we have to talk about, because this will be the only time I get to talk about him, Scott Aukerman. So, Zach, are you familiar with Comedy Bang Bang? I am not, Rob. Okay, so Scott Aukerman, after he uh, is a writer and a person who stars in Mr. Show, he goes off and some years pass, but eventually he starts a podcast called Comedy Bang Bang. And it's basically like a, a weird parody of talk shows. And it's so successful that it eventually gets a TV show version on IFC. And Scott Aukerman's the host, and he had like a DJ, and uh, I think it was Reggie Watts for a long time, and then it was Kid Cudi, and then it was Weird Al Yankovic, uh, and all that stuff. But Comedy Bang Bang, I have seen all of it. And I watched it because I was like, oh, Scott Aukerman, I've never heard of anything else he's done except write for Mr. Show and be the kid who shows off his taint in the taint sketch. That's Scott Aukerman, the original taint person. Um, And so I watch it. I watch the whole show, and I was blown away by how much I disliked it. Like, I don't – I was surprised because I expected to love it, but I was just so against the show. it It was almost painful to watch at points. And I really think it's because of Scott Aukerman. Like, I think when, when he gets to lead, I really don't like his performances and stuff. I think that, you know, Scott Aukerman, he gets all this love for, you know, what he does, this weird dry, I don't know, 
not stupid, but like basic sense of humor. And it just, it just makes no sense to me. And it's almost like nails on a chalkboard. So since Comedy Bang Bang, some consider it to be a sketch comedy show because it has sketch-ish elements to it. I am actually going to go on record now that we get to talk about Scott Ackerman and Comedy Bang Bang, that in this series, in the next sketch comedy series, and all the future sketch comedy series, we will not cover Comedy Bang Bang. So we got a bajillion in the yes column and one in the no column. So the tides are turning in your favor, Zach. <laughs> Folks, what do you think? Was like. I would imagine this is what Rob went through during the real scary stories episode where I talked for like 45 minutes straight. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so yes, comedy bang bang. I would not recommend it. I would recommend Mr. Show because Scott Ackerman is funny when you get to write behind the scenes. Don't listen to any of his jokes or anything like that. They're crazy. And as I said, we had to talk about cast and writers, but that was the great thing about this. There was a good blend of everybody in between. And these are some funny people. Um, so, Zach, any questions so far? <laughs> <laughs> no, Rob. Okay, okay, good. Well, then, I think we should jump into the meat of it, because I really think it's, it's, that's what this is all about. Some sketches for Mr. Show. So now I have to ask you, Zach, did you write down the sketches, or you, did you highlight the sketches in any particular order, like from favorite to least favorite, or an order that you saw them, or what was your structure? All right. I wrote them, basically, I wrote down my, the moments that stood out to me in each episode. Oh, okay, okay. But I'm going to start in the, I guess, the order I watched these. So starting with season two... Then season the two season three episodes, and then the final season four episode. Okay, so you went chronologically. See, si, senor. Okay, okay. All right. The first thing I liked because first, because Rob didn't really give me any context for this. He kind of just like gave these to me, and it's like, oh, sketch comedy. Here you go. <laughs> well, you 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 out. heard me. You heard all the rules I stated last week. That's your context. <laughs> yeah. Huh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> And so I'm watching it. I didn't really, because I'm watching it. I, I've never watched it before. I've kind of heard of it in passing. I guess I should say that, like, my, I guess after Rob gave his dissertation, my connection to all this is that, like, I've, I, anybody who's been alive for the last 20 years, I've seen David Cross in hundreds of different things. Mm -hmm. I guess I know him the best from Men in Black 2 is the guy in the apartment with the girlfriend oh. that wants to go to Cambodia for lobsters. Yeah. And doesn't, isn't it like implied that he's going to beat his mom or hit his mom yes. with a bat or something yes, at the end? Yes. Yeah. That's they neural, right. They neuralize him and it's like, okay, and I think it's either Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones. It's like, well, you're going to have to sit. It's like, go take this nice lady to Cambodia. That's where she wants to go. And it's like, yeah, does it? Though they have the great line because they're talking about Cambodia, and the girl's like, We could get a lobster there for three dollars. And then he neuralizes them, and he's like, You get her a lobster that costs way more than three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the whole I will insert the clip here. Now, is this card valid? This card hasn't been used in years before I was born. I've been away on business, billions of frequent flyer miles. Try and use them. I always wanted to go to Cambodia. You can get a lobster dinner there for like a dollar. And the airlines said they black out holidays. You have to stay over a weekend. It's a conspiracy, I'm sure. I mean, why would you tell us anything about the account? Only that you never checked out a tape. You reserved one once, but you never picked it up. Hey, Newton. There's a huge rat in the toilet. It's all stopped up, so you're going to have to pee in the city. <sighs> Still think I'm paranoid? Yeah. Gentlemen, my name is Newton. I run the place. Seen any aliens lately? You need professional help, son. He's getting it. It's not working. I know. Okay. First, 
get some contact lenses, because joints look like they can pick up cable. Second, take her to Cambodia, get her a lobster dinner, pay more than a dollar. Bob Odekirk, or whatever the hell his name is, I've seen his name a million times, but I've never known who he was. Like, I would go see movies, and, like, he'd have his, like, name attached to it, and I'd be like, who is this person? Like, mm-hmm. there was this, there's this movie I saw, and I only saw it because it, because it was, it played, it, it aired a commercial at, like, 3 a.m. on Adult Swim, and it was a stop-motion movie called Helen Back, and when I saw it, was okay. actually playing at the local movie theater. I'm like, I have to go see this. And much like after, I was the only person in the theater for it. I remember <laughs> on the poster that like, they had like all the names of like the cast. It was like Mila Kunis, Susan Sarandon, uh, oh god, uh, one of Adam Sandler's lackeys. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, Bob Odenkirk as as the devil. I'm like, who the hell is this person? I've never heard of Bob Odenkirk before. And I guess you'd say, <laughs> for the record, I've never watched outside of the one Breaking Bad episode that I was a uh, held at gunpoint to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Breaking Bad. So I was like, oh, so like when I finally looked into like who this person was, I'm like, oh, this is the guy. This is the guy that everybody can't stop blowing because I think he's the second coming of Christ. And it kind of reminds me of like what happened last year. I think we talked about during our Sicario Dose episode with Catherine Keener. Everyone being like, oh, this oh. she she's an incredible actress. And I'm like, I, to be fair, I haven't seen a lot of Bob Odenkirk stuff, but I don't think he's the second coming of, of acting. He's 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 not reinventing the wheel. He's he's a guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I I know he blew up because like Breaking Bad, he was the 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 comedic relief, and he like did it perfectly for the motif of that show, and everybody fell in love with him. Okay, because like it's funny. I know how last year I talked about Catherine Keener being in Incredibles. Everyone was like, "Oh, what an incredible job she does in this!" And I found out he was in Bob Odenkirk was in Incredibles too as well. Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> so talk about a weird sort of like connection there between the two of them and just the the weird thing that people do with these actors. But yeah, like I, again, I look at the stuff that like Bob Odenkirk did. Like, oh, he directed Let's Go to Prison, which was like yes. a direct to DVD movie that like that has like like a negative seven on Rotten Tomatoes. That's I'm on like, my list of stuff for us to talk about one day. <laughs> oh my god, no! Like he did, he did the Brother Solomon, which I remember when that came out in 2007. Mm, I tried yep. finding a copy of that; it was like impossible to find because like nobody ever like nobody ever wanted to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah, I'm like, and this is the guy that they hold in such high regard. Like you look at his filmography, and it's just like dud after dud after dud. And it's not until like you, I guess you said like 2013 that like he starts doing things like oh Nebraska, which was like I think the Alexander Payne film. Okay. Yeah, Alexander Payne film, The Post with Steven Spielberg, The Disaster Artist, the, and obviously The Incredibles. It was getting chosen to be voice a character in a Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, it's like it's like oh, like it's just dud after dud. And it's like oh, I get it. He was an SNL writer. He was involved with like Ben Stiller in his early days, the Larry yep. Sanders show. Um, but yeah. That's kind of my background, like I said, with David Cross. And the other actors, again, I saw Jack Black in there. I thought that was neat. Um, I I have a hard time spotting Tom Kenny, but I saw his name in the credits a couple times. And I don't know any of the other actors. Sure. Yeah, I I have to agree with you that, you know, I don't really hold Bob Odenkirk in high regard. I just think he's great in this. And he's great as Saul on, you know, in Breaking Bad. I haven't watched Better Call Saul because I'm waiting for it to end. But, I mean, I'm sure I'll like him in that as well. Uh, yeah, I, you're you're right. You know, I mean, the let's go to prison. I think is the other exception, but you know, he wasn't in that. He just directed it, um, and then he's in one episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think as like a retired porn actor or something. So yeah, this, he doesn't have that much going on. Like he's funny, but but <laughs> other than that, you know, he's he's definitely you know 
nothing that we should hold up in super high regard. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, it's interesting he was, that he kind of fell into that that spotlight though. Yeah, because if you look at like his early career again, SNL actor and also a writer was involved in the Dennis Miller show again, Ben Stiller, Larry Sanders. And then like for the nineties and like most of the, like the early two thousands, he just kind of just dropped off the face, like not dropped off, but like he kind of started doing kind of crap, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of yeah. crap. And then I guess, again, he got picked, plucked from obscurity, but he seems like somebody else that just knows a lot of people. So yeah, it wouldn't be hard. Yeah. For him. He seems like a person that wouldn't be difficult for him to pick up a phone and be like, Hey, do you have anything for me? He's got the connections. Yep. Yeah. Which is nine tenths of the battle. Yeah, and one of the connections is David Cross. <laughs> yeah, well, David Cross, in other words, you look at his filmography, and it's like, what hasn't this guy been in? Yeah. Does this guy yeah. say, like you said with Alvin the Chipmunks, like, does he ever say no? <laughs> oh, man. So, All right. So, yeah, your history. Yep. Okay, from the first episode. And actually, oh, I most, guess I guess oh. I guess I'm going to cut you off again, Zach, because I guess we should say before we get into the sketches, I do want to talk about the structure of these episodes because that's a that's something I really, really enjoy. So I'm sure you picked up on it, but uh, there is there's a lot of tendons in this. There's a lot of connections, like every sketch like flows into another sketch type of thing, you know? Yeah, of course. I loved that. I think that's one of the things that hooked me when I first saw this, because, you know, I had begun, I'd gotten so used to the standard structure of, say, you know, Chappelle's show, which is what Key and Peele does, which is what so many of them do, where it's like, hey, you know, here's here's the host. And I'm going to talk, watch a sketch. We're going to go back. We're going to talk, watch a sketch. Back, talk, watch a sketch. Musical guest, you know, that type of thing. And so, of course, it's all these episodes start with, you know, Bob and David come out and they say hi. But that's it. That's the only thing that's consistent, really, in any episode. And then it's just kind of like we get this wonderfully weird connected series of vignettes that sometimes exist in the same universe. And it's just awesome. I've always loved that. Because I think, you know, it... it it like it's buffers, but it's some of these buffers that last, you know, 20, 30 seconds, they're almost sketches in their own right. It's a clever idea. It's a way to transition. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if some of the sketches feel hamstrung, because it's like, okay, how do these two connect? Well, just figure something out. And, and I sure. kind of have to it kind of, like I said, clever idea, but it kind of reminds me at the same time to what we were doing here on Cinematis. That's what we're, I was going to say. <laughs> we were like, oh, like the end of one series will connect into the other series. Then we realized, oh, good Lord, that's going to be really difficult doing that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and it kind of ended up as like us picking things to talk about that we didn't really want to talk about. We were just kind of doing it because it made, like, it made sense connective wise. And it's like, well, the idea of doing something just to be like, as a way to connect everything, it doesn't really have a point if it doesn't serve the overall purpose of a, discu- a good discussion. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just walked away from that. And that's the kind of thing I felt with this. Like sometimes it's really clever. Other times just like, oh, there'll be one line. Okay, we've moved on to something else. Yeah. Okay, fair, fair. I, I appreciate the attempt, but it doesn't work, I'd say, most of the time. Mm, interesting. I would have to say completely opposite. I love most of the transitions. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do I do hear what you're saying that there's somewhere it's it's lacking in terms of it being, you know, a fluid transition, you still get that feeling of, you know, that hard cut to a new sketch, a new idea type of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So yes, we had to talk about that structure. So now Zach, you can finally, let's, I can let's, finally delve let's, into my, my let's start funny. season two, episode six, the velveteen touch of a dandy fop. Throw them at me. Okay. The first thing I thought was funny was uh, very early on run the subway train, the guy comes in with his girlfriend. They're arguing. She wants to break up. We have the old woman, the Asian businessman, the gay man, and the biker on the subway train. 
The four voices within. <laughs> the four voices within. They're all giving him advice on how to deal with his like breakup. The old, I think it's the first person tells him ask ask his girlfriend to marry him. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work out. The second one says, uh, "Can, can we, we at least can you still go out occasionally?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the best one, which I thought was funny, and I actually genuinely laughed at this. It's like hit her. What do you mean, <laughs> yeah. hit her? The old lady is just like hit her. <laughs> And the other three just keep like you're like just nodding. He like puts his like back hand up and he's like struggling. Yeah, um, he doesn't doesn't hit her though. But I found that hysterical. Can we still go out occasionally? No, sorry. <sighs> Jesus, hit her. <laughs> hit her. I got you done. I told. Oh. He said, give her a kung fu. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be a man. Yeah. Hit, her. Hit, hit, her. Her. hit her. Hit her. Hit her. Hit her. Hit her. Hit her. Yeah, that is that's like so I think that's like one of the my favorite examples of like comedic timing. Like the, those lines are delivered. And you know, you got rule of threes in there, and then you got the hitter, it's delivered perfectly by John Ennis. Absolutely. So the man and the woman um that are not the voices within in that sketch, that's Tom Kenny and Jill Talley. Ah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's that's probably one of their real breakups that actually happened to them, I think. <laughs> or fights or whatever you want to call it. But no, I've I've always really enjoyed that whole sketch because, you know, we get the whole like these people on the subway are trying to help this relationship. Uh and then when they tell her to, they tell Tom Kenny like groper, she eventually leaves the subway. And then it, you know, pans out, and you got the doctor, and he's like, "The four voices within. I'm going to be in this hotel in in a room." He gives a room number at a hotel. He doesn't give like a, like a, a conference, like in the in the you know Howard Ballroom or anything like that. He's like room thirty nine. And then there's the next doctor, who's like, "There's the five voices," and then they all start fighting. This falls into what I described last week as how how is this conceived, like. How does this idea start go from inception to actually being a sketch, you know? Because I feel this would be so difficult to to iron out, you know what I mean? Uh, do you get that feeling with this sketch where it's just like, it's not craziness, it's not absurdity. It's just like they have done something that I honestly believe I never could think of to do. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I know what you're, you're getting at. But how I see it is that they keep it's kind of like even you can see what happens with the actual camera work in that in that sketch because mm-hmm. like the camera pulls out each time it's like oh we have what is it a uh, Bob Odenkirk therapist and yep. it's like oh this is this though then with David Cross therapist it says no that's the five voices of the head and we sit there and it's like oh, okay we keep pulling out a little bit more and yeah I could this doesn't seem too hard to comprehend it's just the whole idea is like okay let's just see I guess maybe for the time. Maybe because we're so used to this sort of like meta abstract humor that it's not really uh, uh, that revolutionary for me. But no, I'll concede that for mid nineties, this definitely okay. felt like like a fresh breath of air in the sense of, and once again going into the whole idea of, I don't get how a mainstream audience would appreciate this. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. I, I think part of it too is is why I'm so kind of you know baffled by the. This, the history or the, the potential history of this where it's like, you know, you get the two, like the, the big reveal is like the two doctors, you know, type of thing and they fight. But just the concept of it being, you know, old lady, gay guy, biker, Japanese man, like those are the four voices like that. I think there, there's a level of like choosing the names for these things, because I feel like today, if somebody thought of the sketch and did it, it wouldn't be, you know, that bonkers off the wall. It would be something like, you know, 
like an inside out type of thing where it's like we have jealousy and lust and rage and it's like you know you know what i'm saying so i feel like there's as you mentioned before maybe more of like an abstraction in this kind of comedy um that that i i you know i don't think this way i guess that's what blows my mind all the time <laughs> well it's well, it has how it first started it got it felt very kind of like monty python-esque at least with the with the man in drag is the old woman mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. anytime you see a man in drag the first thing that should come to your mind is my monty python and that's what it felt like it's it's a conventional premise you have like you have a guy he's looking for a relationship advice he's consulting for an eclectic group of strangers mm-hmm. and that and that does feel very like it, it's like it's the idea of four different perspectives the thing where it gets a little bit too 90s for me is that when it does become and i want to say 90s but it becomes too kind of like hip and cool is that it becomes meta sure and i guess the idea of something being that like on the surface meta that was probably rare for for this time period. Okay, okay, interesting. Where nowadays, like, I would imagine, like, you look at so many of, oh god, so much. Look at Deadpool. Deadpool's made a uh, uh, an industry out of meta, mm-hmm. and that's and that's where it's like, oh god, I think I, I, it's not fair to judge this by today's standard. But again, for the nineties, like in the time period that it was made, and this will get into more of my thoughts later on about like cinematic status, late night status. For the nineties, this does feel revolutionary. But by now, it's like, okay, so many people have, like, mined from this that it's like, okay. Mm, sure. Like, yeah, they've kind of, like, some of the veneer has been worn off over time for no other reason than people have appreciated it so much. It's kind of like a stuffed animal that's been loved so much that it's missing most of its fluff and it's for maybe an eye. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Absolutely. <laughs> and I guess also while we're on this sketch, I have to mention because uh, unfortunately, there was someone who is a cast member and writer of this show that I did not mention, but he appears in this sketch as the Japanese man, Paul F. Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins, one of the other people that I, I see in random places, like I think he, I, you know, I've seen him in this. He was on that, what, the I, I Love the 70s and I Love the 80s back oh, in VH1. Boy. He was one of those commentators. Um, but now I think everybody knows him as he's the voice of Mr. Peanut Butter from BoJack Horseman. Um, but he's he's great. He's a funny dude, too. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins is actually the guy, as I'm sure Zach knows, it's like when, when live studio audiences go to see things that are comedy-related, they'll be like the warm-up act to get like people okay with laughing and get that crowd mentality to be like, we want you to make noise. Um, and Paul F. Tompkins would actually be the warm-up act for a lot of Mr. Show. Like, he'd be the guy to warm the crowd up. And then he would act in the sketches and stuff. And I always thought that was so cool that they just, you know, had someone on their team do it for them. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. So that's that's the four voices within, or the five voices. Well, I guess we have to ask, since we're on this sketch, Zach, which which theory do you subscribe to? Do you think there's four doctors or five, or four voices or five voices? <laughs> I'm going to say four you think there's only four voices okay four voices because that's the doctor that rubs his nipple oh (laughs) jeez the four voice one i see what you're saying okay yeah i think i like the four voices better than the four voices all under the sway of the false doctor voice (laughs) all right zach okay what was what was the next one you wanted to highlight all right it's a continuation of this sketch i thought this was funny as well very funny was that we pull out from the five voices within it, it's Bob Odenkirk sitting at the donut counter and he's bleeding from the ear because he's having some sort of stroke from all of his uh, mental activity from this. And we have the girl at the counter, the donut shop being like, sir, what else do you want? You have one more donut. <laughs> 
There's only and, one left. <laughs> and he's sitting there. Eating, I don't even can't even tell what he's eating. Supposed to be eating like what? Cheeseburger? Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure either. Um, you can't tell because I think it's David Cross later on that says like, "How can you eat such a yeah, oh, dribble yeah, like yeah. that?" That I thought was hysterical. He's just kind of sitting there in his days, and his blood dripping out of his ear. And <laughs> and, the, and the woman at the donut shop is like, like it's like, uh, only one left. Please just pick one more donut. Okay. My head is pounding, all right? It's like I'm hearing voices. What'll it be, sir? Uh, I want the one with, what does he say, jam? Yeah, he says jam, and she goes, jelly? <laughs> and he goes, I already told you once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. And she takes it, like, I love how she has salad tongs. She's picking up the donut with salad tongs. And yeah. she throws it in the box and just, like, slams the lid on it. And this, like, kind of, like, pushes it toward him. And he goes and he sits. I love how he's getting donuts to go just to eat in the shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I thought that was good. I, I thought that was a that was a cool bit. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely I, I consider that a transition type of sketch for sure. Um, because you know it leads it when he sits down with David Cross's character, the the hipster character, it leads into the the megaphone crooners. So I definitely think of that as a as a transition sketch. And that one that one works great because I think I'm not I don't remember exactly, but David Cross's like the hipster character Dylan, I, he reoccurs in a few episodes. This might be his first appearance where he's like you know. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like modern era stuff is is crap. You know all that all that concept, which is basically the inspiration for Portlandia is this character. <laughs> yeah, because it's again. I think again, this is a perfect example of the transitions I like and don't like. The mm-hmm. idea of having like uh, the mental thing from within, and we pan out and we see it's all going on in some guy's ears. He's ordering donuts and eating a cheeseburger, and he's bleeding from the ear. I think that's clever. Then to have David Cross later on pull out like what, a Vitaphone. And he's sitting there. And it's like, oh, now we're going to like old timey. The the uh, the people, the megaphone. Yeah, you want to call it singing megaphone crooners, or back Megaf- in their day, they called it megaphone crooners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's kind of a, in my opinion, a clunky transition. Okay, like going into the like yeah, because it's like okay, the record player, sure. Yeah, because as weird as it may sound, going from someone's like internal dilemma or internal kind of like brain thoughts mm-hmm. to then being like oh that's clever I, okay, I at least think it's clever and the other one's like okay that's a little little clunky because you're going from one thing it's like okay we have these bits and well i guess maybe you know how they write these sketches did they originally have the sketches in mind or did they write them like kind of just bouncing off from like okay how are you get from point a to be kind of like an improv um i know i think it's a combination of the two, I know that there would be like, you know, David or Bob or, you know, someone on the writing team would be like, oh, I have this idea. Like, let's let's work that in. And then, you know, let's make a sketch out of it. And then they, I think they, there were some instances where they would pick like the bigger, more established sketches and then say, OK, what do we do to fill things in? But I, I also I think from what I've, I've read and heard and and there's one episode of when they reunited where they actually like did a behind the scenes episode where they're just kind of like, you know, Oh, I have this idea for one real quick joke, and they're like, "Just it's good. Let's leave it at that. We'll use it as a transition type of thing." So I think it kind of came, you know, some instances they would think of the transitions and then just use them to connect stuff, and some instances they, you know, would have two sketches, want to put them near each other, and then be like, "Okay, what what can we think of to to glue those two together?" Yeah, Fair yeah, enough. it's a, it's a cool it's a cool setup, but I I see what you're saying, and so um, I think out of the four episodes we watched, we get that transition of going into like. 
um, a music player twice from the same <laughs> character. <laughs> I think we get that in the in the season four episode. So with this with this sketch or the transition, like the donut choices one, um, when Bob Odenkirk and is sitting with David and he's asking him like, you know, what do you want to do type of thing? He says, do you want to go to the movies? And Bob Odenkirk immediately says, you know, do you want to go to the movies? We can see the one about the coupon. Did you pick up on that, Zach? Well, yeah, because that's the whole like last third of the entire episode. Well, you well, yeah, but did you did you pick up on it that they mentioned it before it was even like a, the sketch happened? Oh yeah. Okay, good, good. Other people I've talked to do not pick that up, but I think those people don't like to listen in general. Um, but yes, I, I I've always loved that, and that's what I was mentioning earlier that like these these vignettes, these sketches are kind of in there. Some of them, at least, exist in the same universe, like with our you know coupon the movie and stuff like that. So, and Coupon the Movie, we'll have to talk about whether you not you bring it up, because Coupon the Movie's great. But what do you got next, Zach? How much do you want to talk about the megaphone crooners? <laughs> None at all. It's not like that. I found that. Oh, like God, that. I love that sketch. <laughs> that, to me, is just the, like, it's even purer form of, like, what the hell is this? Like, why did this get thought of? Why did they perform it? Why did they film it? Like, this old-timey documentary-style sketch about people who... They're racing to invent things so they can scream about them in like near haikus to 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 the masses. I don't know. It's just bonkers to me that this exists. It's like when you sent me Wonder Shows and you're like, it's crazy that this exists. This is how I feel about this sketch as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no comment on this sketch. It didn't do much for me. The thing, the thing in this sketch that always gets not gets me but stands out to me is I find it strange that they like they try and do like their own revisionist history and say that one of this, these megaphone performers was the person who coined the phrase. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's just adds to the insanity of this uh, existing for me that it's like, that's, that's one of the things they decided to, to like throw into this sketch. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. I, I, I like the ending where they're having it invented. We're doing inventions on the spot. They have uh, a, uh, Oh God, someone from the patent office there. Oh yeah. That was judging judge. it. Yeah. It's like, oh, I just created the sports bra. And then it's like, oh, and I just created an electric tie rack. Well, I've created the electric sports Sports bra. bra. (laughs) Oh, God. That was funny. I like that. It's crazy. Yep. Okay. So now, well, even though it's broken up into a few more sketches, pretty much the rest of the movie is, is related to Coupon the movie. Coupon the movie. Which, who the, what the, the U.S. Attorney General is calling a required romp. So, so uh, I guess we'll start with the movie executives. Did you have anything to highlight from that one when they're all yeah. complaining about the, how bad Coupon the movie is doing? <laughs> I like that sketch because obviously it's playing into the whole thing with movie executives. And there was the uh, not on your face meta commentary about movie executives. Mm-hmm. But that was, again, a very novel concept at the time. Okay. But Weirdly enough, there I'm not sure if Rob knows this. There's a Monty Python sketch called 20th Century Volley. And it's essentially this. Oh. It is, I mean, like, I don't want I, I don't want to say the phrase ripped off. Sure. But sure. We, I don't know how long I don't know if we can insert both clips because of how long both sketches are. <laughs> but like, I mean, the Monty Python sketch has the whole thing too, where the executive Graham Chapman walks in as the executive or the head of the studio and then goes around to every single person. It's like you, you must have an idea. And he goes around to each one of them and they all defer blame onto the next person. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like, I mean, like some it's, I don't want to say rip off, but it gets a little too close 
Because it's the exact sure. same premise of the head sure. of the studio coming and pointing fingers and each one of the lesser executives pointing fingers to one of their colleagues. No, I, I, I don't think that's you know bad to say. Uh, it had to come up eventually. It will come up later in this series because I think that's a common thing, whether it be, you know, however I guess someone wants to think about it, whether it be ripoff or homage or, you know, inspired by anything like that. That, that happens all the time. There's a Whitest Kids You Know sketch that is almost identical to a sketch from the pilot episode of Mr. Show, except in the Whitest Kids You Know sketch, it's, it's like Obama instead of a different president in the Mr. Show sketch. Um, so I think that happens. But no, I don't remember the one, the Monty Python. I haven't watched Monty Python in a while, but, but yeah, it, it's going to come up. So interesting, interesting. So all, do, all what say it, is Sponge. All right, boys. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Oh, boys, I want you to know that I think you're the best six writers in movies today. <laughs> and I want you to know that I've had an idea for the next movie I'm going to produce. And I want you boys to write it. Oh, oh, yes, sir, sir, sir. Sir. oh sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. There'll be plenty of time for that later on. Now, here's my idea. It's great. You like it, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. Right. 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 Yeah. Do you like it? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you like best about it? Oh, oh, well, you haven't told us what it is yet. What? Um, I like what he likes. What do you like? Oh, I like what he likes. I like what he likes. I like what he likes. I'm just crazy about what he likes. What do you like about it? I agree with them. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. Now, here's the start of the movie. I see snow. Oh. White snow. Think of the colors. And in the snow, I see a tree. Yes. yes. Wait, wait, I haven't finished yet. There are more. And by this tree, gentlemen, I see a dog. Okay. And gentlemen, this dog goes up to the tree and he piddles on it. Hallelujah! Movie. He tells it the way it is. It's where it's at. This is something else. It's out of sight. I like it. I like it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise I like it. Sir, I don't know how to say this, but I've got to be perfectly frank. I really and truly believe this story of yours is the greatest story in motion picture history. Get out! Huh? If there's one thing I can't stand as a yes man, get out! Woo! I'll see you never work again! Woo! What do you think? Well, I, uh... Just because I have an idea, it doesn't mean it's great. It could be lousy. C it could? It yeah. What do you think? It's lousy. Hey, where you see, he spoke his mind. He said my idea was lousy. <laughs> Just so happens my idea isn't lousy. So get out, you goddamn pink hole subversive! Get out! <laughs> you! <laughs> well, I think it's an excellent idea. Are you a yes man? No, no, no. I mean, uh, there the, the may be things against it. You think it's lousy, huh? No, no. Uh, I mean, it, it takes time. Are you being indecisive? Uh, yo, Ness, perhaps. <laughs> now, I hope you three gentlemen aren't going to be indecisive. What the hell are you doing under that table? We dropped our pencils. Yeah. Pencil droppers, eh? No, 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 no. no. Right. Now, I want your opinion of my idea. You! Ooh. Has he had a heart attack? Oh, 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 if there's one thing I can't stand, it's people who have heart attacks. I feel fine now. Well, what do you think? Uh, 
You didn't ask me, you asked him. Oh, you didn't ask me? You asked him. Uh, him. No, him. I'm him. James Van Mine. I'm asking you. The one in the middle. The one in the middle? Yes, the one in the middle. Hello? Yes, Demetrius. No, no, sorry. It's just second door. What the hell are you doing? Plunge for me too, yeah. <laughs> so all three of you think plunge. Yeah. 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 Well, now we're getting somewhere. No, wait. A new angle. Oh. In the snow, instead of the tree, I see Rock Hudson. Oh, yeah. yeah. And instead of the dog, I see Doris Day. Oh, yes. And gentlemen, Doris Day goes up to Rock Hudson and she kisses on him. Oh, yeah. It's a love story. Intercourse Italian style. David Hemmings is a hippie Gestapo officer. Frontal nudity, a family picture, a comedy. And then, when Doris Day's kissed Rock Hudson, she says something funny. Like... Uh, <laughs> Doris Day's a comedian, not a newsreader. Get out! She says something funny, like... Uh, 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 splunge. That's the stupidest <laughs> idea I ever heard. Get out! Doris Dog kisses Rock Tree and she says, I can't take it anymore. I like that. I like that. I can't take it anymore. And then Rock Hudson says, I'm a very rich film producer and I need a lobotomy. And then Doris Dog says, I think you're very handsome and I'm going to take all my clothes off. And then Doris Dog turns into a yak and goes to the bathroom on David Lemming. No, wait, wait. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Hello, who are you? You're not a wet writer? Well, you're fired! Roll the credits! This is the biggest failure in movie history. Coupon the movie has made zero money. You people are responsible. I want to know what the hell happened. Look, the reports show that's the most popular coupon in the country. Everyone uses it. I don't get it. People love the coupon, they should love the movie. Well, they don't. And what I want to know is, who green-lighted this picture? Didn't even glance at it. I thought I saw it on your desk. So did, no, yeah, I didn't green light it. As I remember it, I found this thing out. I was just shepherding it around. You know, David, didn't you nurse this at your teeth for a little while? David? 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 Well, you know, I seem to recall giving it the go-ahead. Huh? The green light, not the movie. I gave a go-ahead to the green light. I mean, this thing had a thumbs up way before it got to me. It wasn't even uh, my thumb. It was a woman's thumb. Jill? 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 Jill. Jill. I... Vaguely recall giving it a thumbs up, but that's not the same as a green light, sir. Bob, you've been very quiet. Bob, 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 Bob. 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 Oh. Uh, well, uh, what we've got here is a classic Chinese telephone. <laughs> Nothing against the Chinese, uh, but uh, I gave this picture a very tentative "gangs away," which is an old term from the '30s that means cut loose. Paul. Paul, 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 no, Paul? I, sir, all I gave this was the old one, two, buckle my shoe, three, four, shut the door, 
five, six, the sticks. <laughs> Jay, 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 Jay. Uh, no, people, sure. I mean, uh, I may have, you know, slapped it up a bit, you know? Sure, I might have done that, huh? You're right. You're right. But guys, I'm going down here, and I swear, if I have to go from being super rich to rich, I swear I'll kill myself, and I'm not going down alone. You act like you're the only one here who's been hurt by this thing. You know, I wanted to turn that movie into an amusement park ride. <laughs> so I could take my kids, Samantha and Joey and little, little Tyler, on it for fun. But now I don't know if I even want kids. <laughs> I was going to turn it into a theme restaurant. What do I tell my maid? Oh. <laughs> what about me? I have planned for this thing to be a big blockbuster so I could start a trendy heroin habit. Well, now that's never going to happen. I'll tell you who's responsible, sir. The American public, and I know you're close with them, but they manipulated us. They tricked us into believing that this movie was what they wanted to see, pretending to like that coupon. Let me at him! Where's your golden public now, sir? I'll tell you where. They're all laughing, laughing at you, laughing at the big fat asshole. Thank you. Thank you all for opening my big fat asshole eyes. Look, don't cry. Don't cry, movie executives. It's not your fault. The American public have screwed the movie industry over for the last time. Oh, they'll see this movie. You bet they will. How are you going to make them? We'll sue the pants off of them. And then we'll sell them pants. Yeah! Coupon the movie versus the people of the United States. What what do you think about the idea of like? Do you think that it's more of a ripoff or an homage or? Because because I've always kind of, you know, been torn on this because yes, you could say oh I I watched this sketch or whatever I consumed this idea, and then I you know I put my own little twist on it, but it's essentially the same thing. It's a different version of the same thing. So I call that an homage maybe. But, you know, I feel like it's hard to say ripoff sometimes because, you know, I feel like this sketch is firmly not in the camp that we were previously discussing, like, say, with the megaphone crooners, where it's like, how the hell do you think of this? A boss being angry at movie executives is a much more, I guess, normal setting. So I'm kind of torn. It's like, can sure, it's like, if it's not intentional, if you just have a similar idea and, you know, you don't have anybody on your team to, like, dig through all of history to see if it's been done before... Can you call it a ripoff, or is it just, you know, kind of a uh, coincidence? I don't know. You have any thoughts on that? It's the idea that you're working within the same subgenre. Mm -hmm. You have the exact same premise, and then you have the characters behaving in the exact same way as those characters do. Okay, okay. You're, you're going down layers, and every you're getting more specific. Like, okay, sketch comedy is a very specific subset of just comedy as a genre overall. Mm -hmm. Okay, having a movie studio boss uh, confronting his underlings about something not working on a movie. 
even more specific. And then having the specifics of that sketch parallel the other one is even more like, like you're drilling down and the parallels cannot be ignored. Sure. So you're so you're saying that the, there's the similarities between are the, uncanny. They're a little sure. Too- yeah, it's it's more specific than just the concept and the setting is what you're yes. saying. The, gotcha. the, the concept okay. is fine. Like if you want to have a movie, like especially in Hollywood, the idea of having a, you hear all these stories about like I think we years ago, Rob and I used to share memes. I think it was something like how did this movie get made or the pitch meeting for uh, like what was it the pitch meeting for the lone ranger and it's like so you want oh, yeah. jo- you want johnny depp and, like okay so who's johnny depp gonna play the lone ranger no he's gonna play tonto and it's like it, yeah like having a bunch of like movie studio bosses like uh, kind of like a hallmark of this podcast had this get made no mm-hmm. that's a very exploitable premise about like hollywood comes up with these dumb ideas for movies that cost a lot of money and they don't work out how they come to this thinking who are they gonna blame it on as to why it didn't work that's clever but to have like a premise of all the different underlaying start to blame yeah. it all, I, I defer to the other and that one defers to the following one and yep. that's exactly what happens in the other one the only thing that's different eventually like, like any monty python sketch it just eventually just shifts gears from one thing to another without much mm. of a transition mm-hmm. this obviously does transition into oh we're going to which i thought was a funny funny as a concept maybe that maybe not that funny as a joke the idea of a movie studio suing its audience yeah, I, oh I, yeah yeah I, I think that that that's a funny thing that's more of a Thing like, oh, what's Hollywood going to do next? Sue their audience for not yep. going to see his movies? Yeah, that the, the ending slash transition is different, but everything okay. before it is is more or less the same. Which yeah, I'll have to, bother go, I'll have to go back and to watch that. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I'll have to go back and watch that sketch. Yeah, but that that I, that concept of of similar sketches, very similar sketches, will come up throughout our entire sketch comedy series. So interesting. Okay, so yeah, I love that the you know I feel like the that whole scene is great of you know they're all placing blame on each other but then when it shifts to like um the boss is upset or he's like angry because he wants a, he wants money and then the executives like start to not turn on him but they say that they're upset too and bob odenkirk says something like you know i wanted to turn that movie into an amusement park ride <laughs> so i could take my kids samantha and joey and little little tyler on it for fun but now I don't know if I even want kids. <laughs> that, that's just, that's great humor to me. Um, and then we get the trial. That's the next thing is when we actually have um, our, 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 you know, fade in, fade out cut trial of everybody going on the stand for this, uh, to determine if they sell coupon the movie. And everybody gets, all Americans, I should say, get sentenced to one viewing of coupon the movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's it's funny like that though, and especially kind of like the the testimonials at the end. That's the thing I think. That's kind of like okay, you're drawing. It's much like the taint sketch, where it's like okay, you're taking an interest, like at least a funny concept on the surface, and you drag it out into like a ten minute bit, and it's like oh, oh, like that. That's where it kind of gets worn out. Where the longer you draw these thing things out, it's like you have to really have a really firm premise. Mm-hmm. Or else it devolves into just like, oh god, are we still sticking? It's like we get it. Everybody's forced to see this movie. <laughs> we get it. Oh, and then we actually get to see some yes. or all of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It, it continues even further on. Like yeah. I give them credit for doing it, for sticking with it that long. But after a while, it's like, okay, I get it. It's a bad movie. No one wants to see it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think I think this sketch, uh, this is this one has always stood out to me. Coupon the movie, you know, from from the the green light people arguing, the executives arguing, up to you know the the testimonials that ends this episode. Um, I think this this sketch firmly falls into my rule number one from last week was that it doesn't have to make you laugh, it just has to be intriguing. That might have been rule three, actually. I don't know, it was one of the rules. And I've always thought of this as something where, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm laughing here and there, you know, I'll chuckle a few times. But it's really more of the concept where it's like, you know, we get this kind of extended sketch, as you say, about this coupon the movie, you know, this incredibly boring, mundane thing, and that's, that's you know, pushed to the limit almost with the trailer or whatever we get to see. Um, and and it's, it's perfect. It's, it's, you know, something that I think when I saw it, and I, you know, really got to love this show that it stuck with me. Just that idea of, you know, it's like, man, it's so intriguing, you know, just that setup. And there's and there's some actual things that make me laugh thrown in there. I love it. It's a great pairing. That's all I have for uh, the first episode. OK, so season two, episode six. So I, there was one other episode I was tempted. Uh, I was tempted to switch this out for season two, episode two, I believe which is called A Talking Junkie, but we'll have to get to one, that one next time. That's also a great episode. And in, in that episode, Zach, yes, there is a talking junkie. Nobody, believe, nobody believes, David, that there's a talking junkie, but he knows it. <laughs> All right, so season three, episode three, Oh, You Men. What do you got, Zach? All right, the thing with the ventriloquist dummies, the fighting East Coast versus West Coast ventriloquist dummies. Funny premise. Clever idea, especially how it ends with the fact that it's like the 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 ventriloquists have no problem with each other. It's the dummies that have to hammer out the details at like what the 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 Sheraton in or something. It's always been up to the little guys. <laughs> and they're all after two like well, after two months, there's still no resolution. They're all just sitting yeah. in a room with a there's a plate of donuts. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The vent I've always loved that ventriloquist ventriloquist sketch, especially where they have like the um the panel. Where it's e like East Coast and West Coast, they have two representatives each, and one's a ventriloquist <laughs> and one's a rapper. And yeah. so it's like you know, we it's like Mr. Pickles, Professor Murder, uh, P. Diggle, and it's like just goes like all these crazy names. And I, I I've come to love that more for the fact that I've I've always kind of loved it for maybe I would say what you get at surface level that you know they're saying like oh you know we got these rappers and these ventriloquists were paral paralleling you know the East Coast West Coast feud. But I really st have started to love that you know with my you know, interest in rap more and more as time has gone on where it's like they're you're basically saying that, like, you know, the ventriloquist names, which are goofy, are the same as the goofy rappers names and stuff. And there's even that little part where Tom Kenny, who plays the mediator or host or whatever you want to call it, he calls one of the he calls Professor Murder like Professor Pickles and the rapper gets upset. Questions, uh, Professor Pickles? What? I ain't no Professor Pickles. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, don't mess with these calls. Look, I don't need you defending me, you howdy doody looking motherfucker. <laughs> I'm out of here, yo. Yeah, I'm with him. Man, step off. <laughs> but there is hope. So I, I feel like that layer of that joke, it took me a, a while to get to, but I, I love it even more now because it's like, it's just so, you know, densely packed into this weird concept of ventriloquism. <laughs> yeah, and then even there's at one point, though, one of the rappers gets up and like, the ventriloquist is like trying to like stay down. He's like, don't touch me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he push oh, the way he pushes him off is great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was good. I thought that moment was was rich. I enjoyed. I I laughed at that. I have to say, prior to the ventriloquist sketch, our transition into the ventriloquist sketch is 
um, what Candy Adams, the old woman, and she's ad- advertising like entertainment for everyone. And it's like people you can hire for events. And it starts with Bob and David because this is the transition from the intro as well. And then it ends up with the ventriloquist, Wally P. Doyle, and it goes into that sketch. But the two of the other things she says that you can hire, one is Choo Choo, the herky-jerky dancer. That's going to come up later when we get to snacks. And also Champion the Drinker, which appears to be someone who will just drink with you. <laughs> I've always loved that concept where it's like, you know, oh, comedians, dancers. I think there's a dog like dressed up in like a a ballet costume or something. Ventriloquists and a drinking buddy. (laughs) All right. So what's what's after um, your ventriloquist feud sketch? Was was this the lost episode? Yes, this was the lost episode. So this is the one that starts with a banana. Okay. so um, the next sketch that I thought was funny was um, the newspaper. The guy. If he tries to read any of his stupid poetry, just listen. <laughs> well, I think I thought again. This is another sketch where, like, okay, the joke kind of runs out because you know, you know, eventually they're going to kill him again. Mm-hmm. But the thing I love is like the door. Like, like he's sitting there, like reading the TV guide, and the wife is just is, like longly looking into his eyes, and it's like, do we have a tape for that? It's like we. It's like he's like, you should record that. Yeah, I should. And it's like I then like the doorbell rings, and it's like, oh God, what's the matter? And it goes on. It's like it's this guy who I thought was stealing my newspapers. I hung him, but he somehow lived. And it's like, honey, and like she's like, but but whatever his name is in that sketch. But honey, honey, you have to accept the fact this was my past, and these are some of my demons. Yeah, and you have to deal with it now too. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was good. Yeah, yeah, that is. Oh shit! My God, Mark, what's wrong? Oh Jesus! Oh, how could I forget this? Oh, listen, honey, I should have told you this a long time ago, but before I met you, I committed a murder. What? Oh, shit! Listen, I knocked this guy out, and I hung him from a tree because I thought he was stealing my newspapers. I left him for dead, but somehow he got down, and he looked me up like a year later, and I still run into him from time to time, and he, I just feel so bad because, I mean, I tried to kill him for stealing newspapers. You hung someone from Listen, I ran into him about a week ago, and I felt so bad, I told him he could come over any time for dinner. Wait, Mark, I'm having a really Shut hard- up, honey, I have to live with yeah, that I think that's always stood out to me, and that that definitely I figured it was going to stand out to you because this episode, um, this is probably the the episode I show off most as a late night movie. Zach knows exactly why, and we're going to get to that sketch. Uh, but uh, this this little bit of this sketch has always stood out to people, and I think it's really because well, he de- Bob Odenkirk delivers it perfectly. But it's such an interesting idea to me, where it's like you know they set the stage and you get all the exposition about this guy's murdering history in like, you know, uh, 30 seconds or something. And it's done through screaming it at his wife, which I'm sure the dude standing outside the door can hear, right? <laughs> you think. Oh, oh, it's it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But yeah, you're right. I think that's one of the one of the kind of um, you know, examples of sketches where, you know, once they set it up, you're like, okay, clearly we know how it's going to end. He's going to get killed again somehow. And that that's what happens. Uh- yeah, that's kind of it. Cause the longer that goes on, the whole thing with the fizzy bubbles and the mm. wife starts berating him. I'm like, okay, we get it. We get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, what do you got next? All right. Is it, last... is it the DeLong Prey Dannon show? Sure. I think that's the next that's the next sketch where Bob and David play people who think they're like a pregnant teenager and the seven foot tall oh. psychiatrist. 
Well, no, not that. Okay, I just one, love that name, DeLongpre Dannon. I've always loved that. <laughs> the last one, and it's actually more of a line that's appropriate for Rob than is me even liking the sketch. Uh, okay. At one, at one point, at the, toward the end, we have the children's show about, like, drug land. Yes, and the like, altered state of drug and this is exactly why this gets played late at night for people. <laughs> First, I really like the name drug I think that's just, I think I think that's funny. Oh yeah. Then the last thing is the uh the cannabis. Hold on everybody, <laughs> get on board the cannabis. Yeah. Like, yeah. I I want everybody to know when Rob goes to and from his workplace, he gets on the cannabis. <laughs> he rides the cannabis every day. You know what to be fair, with the amount of times I've smelled weed on the public buses of Fort Collins, they probably are the cannabis. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's not right even on. a joke, really. It's more just like a clever name. Right on, right on. Yeah, and the cannabis, they get on the Let's Get Highway, Professor LSD trails, all that. Oh, it's just drug puns left and right. <laughs> yep, I do. I really do love that sketch. I think that's a, a, a neat idea. I, I definitely love the concept that, you know, in this little kid's show, the the boy, the little boy main character played by David, like his goal in the episode is to help the drugged out people order a pizza. <laughs> I was like, that's great. And I absolutely love the line when he's like, OK, we'll order a pizza. He's like, where's the telephone? And they were like, no, we can't call them. They'll know. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, they'll know that we want a pizza. <laughs> Like, I have had that conversation with people, like super paranoid people, where it's just like, like, calm down, you know? It's like, nobody's looking for us. You don't need to whisper in our own room, you know? Nobody's coming to get us type of thing. So they hit the nail on the head perfectly. I'm maybe not surprised, but what did you think about the sketch that was directly prior to this, which is the lie detector sketch? Oh, um, because this one, whenever I show this to people, this one gets huge responses, at least for my friends, you know, the, the handful of people I've shown this to throughout the years. People love this sketch. I do, too. But I, I was interested. That one didn't stick out to you. Uh, it had the problem is that it's another one of the examples of like you're stretching a premise too thin. Like, oh, it starts off and they're making fun of David. Cry. They're asking like kind of these like, oh, we need to test it. So, you know, like this, that sort of like, oh, God, it probably could be its own like set and con or uh Okay, a specific type of humor and comedy, lie detector comedy, something like uh, Meet the Parents. Sure. Sign, I know there's an episode of Science where they hook them up to a lie detector. And it's like, okay, someone's going to be, like, as, as a baseline, someone needs to be humiliated. And it's David Cross, like, what, kissing his brother in his dreams? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, then, like, they hook Bob Odenkirk up. And it's like, oh, and it's just like, like one after like, okay, what's the, like all these crazy things? Did you do this that involved this, this, and that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that one time. And then like we go through the entire thing, and this is where it had to give it. It has a pretty nice payoff, despite the fact that it goes on probably a minute or two longer than it should. Sure, it's like welcome, to, welcome to Schumart, whatever his name is. Yeah, and Bob Unker goes, I, yeah, I, it's like I'm glad to be part of the shoe. I, I love shoes, block. <laughs> At yeah. this whole time, like that's okay. That that's at least clever, but but it's the weird thing of that payoff. Like my biggest complaint is that 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 whole sketch uh, sketch needs to be condensed a little. Okay, but if okay. You, but sure. if you condense it, you ruin the payoff of that. So it's this weird mm -hmm. sort of catch twenty two where if you condense it, I'd like it better for pacing reasons, but you would lose the 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 payoff. Okay, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, yeah, I could I could see this getting cut down a little bit, but you're right about the payoff. Um, I think I think the 
that always gets a big laugh from people. And of course, you know, I love shoes. And it's the only time his lie detector goes off. That's great. Um, the line, the thing they ask him right before, it's like when all the guys in the office are like up and they're like testing him. And one of them, like, he goes, have you ever taken a train and eaten it piece by piece after you just derailed it with your penis? And then almost immediately, Bob Odenkoker goes, yes. It, the lie detector makes no noise. They all start freaking out. And Bob Odenkirk goes, it was for charity. <laughs> Have you ever taken a train and eaten it piece by piece after you just derailed it with your penis? Yes. <laughs> it was for charity. It was a charity event. I, I was All right, enough, my... enough. So that I, I, that one I've always loved, but mm, interesting idea, shortening this one down. Okay, yeah, cool. But that kind of humor, though, I think it was for charity. Like that, that that feels like such a like Bob's Burgers type humor, like, uh, and that's something gotcha. against Bob's Burgers or the humor. It just feels like like. Uh, how have I described it before? Like the office parks and rec humor. Like I a can very more of that that like deadpan or maybe not well, drier type of stuff. I don't even know how to describe. It. It's like it's absurd humor, but like it doesn't fit. It's like again, it's like I could very easily imagine Chris Pratt running in on like Parks and Rec to like Aubrey Plaza and being like, "Honey, uh, I just sat there, or broke this guy." Like, I don't know. Let's just say for the, this imagined scenario, Chris Pratt takes like too many. Oh God. Uh, Okay, what's it called? I'm going to say Enzyte, even though it's not the thing people oh, take anymore. Sure. I'm going to say Enzyte. And it's like, like oh, I, I've had this hard on for like six hours, and it's so hard I broke a guy's window, or no, I put I put a dog's eye out and broke a window. And she'd be like, Chris, there's no way you could broke a window or something. It's like, oh, it was for charity. Uh, like, it, it's, it's just a ha-ha. It's like you have a setup that's not plausible, and you're throwing in like a weird curveball of a, of a line. It doesn't even make sense. Like, oh, you ate, uh, you ate a train – and then you did this. It's like it's like well, obviously this is a farcical premise, but it's like okay, you've taken it too far, and you're just it's just ha ha ha. You're just shoveling ha 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 ha's on for good measure, and that's just not my cup of tea. Fair. Like, that's, that's just like that's yeah, that's totally understandable because you know by that point in the sketch, anything they say, no matter how crazy it is, yeah, he's gonna say yes to or no or whatever, and it's not gonna make a noise. So you know, okay, yeah, no, that's fair, fair point. And after you, you can still be absurd, but just keep it grounded. And like, have you ever done? Have you ever had a three-way on an airplane while doing I don't know something else? And it's something that it's it's really implausible, yeah. but it could happen. Mm, and you make mm. this guy seem like, like all the weird eccentric things he's done over his life, and he's pretty much game for anything. And then you have the shoe line. Oh, I love shoes. Bonk. Yeah, that's gotcha. and that's my thing. Is that you're just shoveling this manic humor. You're just shoveling so much of it. It's like okay, you're, you're, it's it's just kind of humor for the sake of humor. After a while, gotcha, gotcha, understand. But, yeah, that's just my own pet peeve. That's not a, a knock against this. Sure. Oh yeah, of course. So and then uh, I think the only thing left in this episode is when the lost episode gets found by the space apes. <laughs> And it makes sense to the, or actually, maybe not makes, well, yeah, connects back to the banana from the beginning. So that's our lost episode. And I say, who's the guy? He's in, he's in the lie detector sketch, and he's the, the, the security officer that eventually throws the tape away. Oh, he uh, has a name. Brian Posehn. Yep. I know him as the guy from the Devil's Rejects. I think gets what shot in the head or shot oh, in the that's face. Right. Yeah. When I mentioned it before, I said Sarah Silverman show, but yeah, you're right. He's in that too. 
Yeah, he's another character actor. Like, you, 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 when Rob, what's his name? Brian Posehn. Everybody, you know who this is. You've never heard of his name before, <laughs> but you will know who he is when you type his name into Google. You'll he's, be like that yeah, guy. Yeah. He's actually he's gonna he's performing stand up in Fort Collins. Either it's like just happened or it's coming up soon or something like that. I was tempted to go go see him. Asking if what was like getting shot in the face for the devil's reject. <laughs> I'd be like, who are you? I've seen you somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> just heckle him constantly. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Anything else about that episode, Robert? Can we no, I I think that's it. So we can move on to the second episode of season three, episode five, or that we're going to discuss, episode five, called "Please Don't Kill Me." <laughs> All right. I only have one moment from this entire episode that I liked. Mm, it's actually not even a sketch. It's it's a series of moments. Rob's already alluded to it once, but he's actually alluded to it many times over the course of Cinematis, <laughs> and that is the mayonnaise mustard bit. Oh my god, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, so I, I, we probably could have mentioned it earlier. I don't know. I won't spend too much time looking back, but we have to now, since really our second episode of sketch comedy, I think the idiot box, we didn't really talk about it too much because it was almost the entirety of the idiot box. But just as Zach said, there could be, you know, a, a subgenre of sketch comedy called lie detector sketch comedy. There's a sub, uh, subsection of sketch comedy called fake commercials. And for some reason, I really love these. We're going to get to talk about them next week with the Amanda show. And and I think almost all of the sketch comedy we're going to discuss is going to have a fake commercial in it to some extent. And it's it's great. I, I wish I knew more about, like, why this caught on so well. Because it seems like every every comedy thing is has this concept, you know, of a, of a fake commercial. And I love it. And I'm glad that, you know, we get one of the best ones in this season three episode of Mr. Show, which is the combination of mayonnaise and mustard. <laughs> so we have to we have to focus in on this. First question, Zach. Do you mix mayonnaise and mustard on sandwiches? Like if you ever had a sandwich that you want to put mayo on, you want to put mustard on, would you do that? Or are they like completely separate to you? Well, I oh God, I used to do that for a while. I mean, like, I haven't done it recently in, like, years. Remember in college, I used to do that. Like, it used to be, um, back when I was on, like, my extreme dieting slash money saving, mm-hmm. it would be, like, I, I had my my lunch down to a science. It was bread toasted, mayonnaise, uh, turkey breast, yep. half a slice of cheese, one pickle slice, and then mustard on the other half of the toasted bread, and that was my sandwich. Oh, interesting. So that's what I was doing. Cause I, cause I think I, I did some sort of like cost benefit analysis and I think mayonnaise was too expensive, but I can't just eat plain mustard. Cause like, ugh. so what I did was I figured, <laughs> Oh, how do I supplement it? Mustard is cheaper than mayonnaise. And that's what I ended up doing. I was like, okay, put a little, like put like a teaspoon or like a, like a small dollop of mayonnaise, but then put a little bit of mustard on the other side and you save on mayonnaise costs because like a jar of mayonnaise gotcha. is like $4, but like you can get like a big thing of mustard for like two bucks at Walmart. So it's like, okay, that's a good way to save money instead of buying a thing of mayonnaise every month. But yes, that's a, that's, that's, I used to do that. I have not done it in like at least five years. Okay. So do you think in your, in the time of your life, when you were spreading mustard and mayonnaise on sandwiches, that your life would have been improved by them being put into a single product called mayo stirred or mustard mayonnaise? Do you think that would have helped you? 
It depends on the price. Unfortunately, as I was watching this, I was hoping that they give me a price, oh, and they do not. So I, the jury is still out, unfortunately. So yeah, they don't give you a price, but in the mayo stirred commercial, it does say that the estimated time savings is five minutes over thirty years. I, you know what? I can't argue with that. <laughs> Hey moms, have you had it with the same old sandwich making routine? Then try new Stenson's Mayo Stirred. Mayo Stirred combines mayonnaise and mustard into one easy serving jar. See the yellow lines and the white lines? That means Mayo Stirred is working to save you time. It cuts sandwich making time in half. And Mayo Stirred works with every type of bread, from white to wheat. How are the sandwiches, kids? Delicious. Mmm, Mom, you use separate jars of mustard and mayonnaise. Stenson's Mayoster. Cost a little more, but saves a lot of time. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's great. Uh, and then also, you know, the mayonnaise will expire before the mustard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this, there's just something about this that is always latched on to latched on with me. Um, I, I guess I should say that this is not the first fake commercial in Mr. Show. They do it quite a bit. And one of the things they always try and do is they'll they'll air one fake commercial, and then the next sketch will be like another fake commercial for a competing product. So this one, you know, we get mayo stirred, and then immediately after, we get the much grittier, you know, almost like the, the Apple 1984 commercial uh, of mustard A and A's. Drudgery. Are you a two-jar slave? Well, thanks to Bonnie's, you don't have to take it anymore. Now, there's new Vonnie's Mustard A&A's. Let's get the hell out of here! Mustard A&A's combines the spicy goodness of mustard with the creamy richness of mayonnaise to set you free from the two-jar grind. Vonnie's Mustard A&A's. It'll save you time and set you free. And now, with every purchase of Vonnie's Mustard A&A's, Vonnie's will donate 20 cents to the Dr. X Save the Earth Telethon. I know they do one with supermarkets where it's like a, a small mom and pop shop and a, and a big chain and they're trying to like run each, the big chain's trying to run the smaller one out of business. Um, but it's such, such an interesting concept. I think for all the reasons I've discussed, it's like, I think this is funny. I don't know why I find the combination of two condiments in a jar so funny, um, but I do. I think it's intriguing because I... Sure as hell never would have thought about this, you know? I would have been like, this is just a normal thing. Because remember when we were searching for the Avengers Endgame experiment, we found, like, what, the peanut butter and the jelly mixed together in a jar or something? Yeah, the goober. Yeah, and so it's just almost like it's it's normal now. And so... Well, I think Heinz actually now, I'm not even joking, sells, like, mayo-stirred. Uh, you can buy really? it in the store. Yeah, okay, Rob, go, oh go my type God. it. You have to type I'm it into Google. It. I'm doing it, it. I know you can. I've seen it in stores. And I've seen it advertised a lot. In the, like this is only like from the last, I think, this year. But it is a genuinely. It's not like the the ad in Mister Show where it's like the goober where they have it split into like the white and yellow. It's like already like pre mixed. So it's called what, Mayo Must. <laughs> oh my god! 
<laughs> it's like, you know, you see those memes all the time where they're like, Simpsons predicted it. It's not even memes. It's just people talking at this point. Simpsons predicted it. Mr. Show predicted it. They predicted it. Oh, this think, is great. <laughs> I think they also have like mayo Q. It's it's mayonnaise and barbecue sauce mixed together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mayo Q. Yep. Mayo must, mayo Q, mayo chup, ketchup and mayonnaise. Oh my god! I wonder which one expires first. We gotta see if there's like a disclaimer <laughs> on it. Oh, this is insane! <laughs> this is insane. I guess to answer the question I asked you, Zach, I don't even really like mustard, so I don't usually eat mustard. And if I ever do put mustard on anything, it'd be on like very specifically, like I don't know, like a, a Cuban sandwich, because I think just definition, it has mustard on it. But I would never put it with mayo. <laughs> okay, so I, I went to this website to look into the pricing and the ordering and stuff for mayo must. It's called Heinz Mayo Must Saucy Sauce. That is yeah. legitimately what it's called on this title, uh, on this website. And then it says other products like this one. And it shows me three different sizes of regular mustard. <laughs> like it doesn't even show me one mustard, one mayo. It just shows me other mustard. This algorithm is flawed. <laughs> this is great. I'm I'm really tempted to try this just because I didn't know this existed until Zach told me. Oh my god, this makes it so much better that I could show this to somebody as a late night like medium TV show whatever and then at the end of the episode I could go to my fridge and actually pull out a third different combination of mayo and mustard. What a time to be alive. <laughs> You just take a picture of it and send it to uh, Dave Cross and uh, Bob Odenkirk. Oh, that might be the one time I get I use the Cinemodities Twitter, if that will <laughs> allow me, because I know it's like his Twitter for everything now. <laughs> have to figure out. I would imagine David Cross is on Twitter, right? Oh, yeah, he's got to be. I would imagine they both are, yeah. All right. We could That's even we could even tweet it to see if Jay Johnston's on there. He's the guy who dresses up in like the the mustard ANA's Abraham Lincoln type thing in the second commercial. Oh yeah. Yeah, if he's on there, we could be send him that. Oh my god, this is great. <laughs> what marvels the future has brought us, folks? Forget flo- uh, flying cars. We've got ourselves <laughs> mayo must. <laughs> uh. oh. So so like we already said, we got our two commercials: mayo stirred and mustard ANA's. But then, as our ending, as our last sketch, we get must, must, oh my god, I have to read it. Must mayo stirred ANAs. <laughs> it is the combination of the two combination products, and it gets me every damn time. Well, one, the fact that this fake commercial is a father literally missing his, in, his daughter's entire life because he's spending so much time spreading these two combination <laughs> condiments. I love that, but it always gets me. When the little tagline or the subtitle at the end is mayo stirred will expire before <laughs> mustard ANAs. Like, oh, it's it's so simple, it's so silly, it's beautiful. <laughs> Daddy, come out and play with me. Not now, dear. Daddy's busy. Sometimes I think I spread my life too thin. Hey Daddy, you coming to my graduation? I miss precious moments as the solar dustbin. Daddy, do you want to see your new grandson? In a minute, dear. In a minute. You grew up. You moved on. I was never by your side. Bye, Daddy. 
I'm dying. <laughs> Seems I'm always spreading mayo, stirred mustard, mayonnaise, and thyme. Monday's must mayo stirred mayonnaise combines mayo stirred and mustard mayonnaise in one easy-to-use time-saving spread. That, again, I this is the kind of humor I, I do appreciate in this. I do think it's that surrealist absurdism humor because, like, you, like we already discussed the lie detector, it gets more absurd. But at least the idea of like you have the idea of like somebody spreading condiments on their sandwich, and every single time it's like, oh, the premises were selling this combination of these two things to save you time. Mm-hmm. And over the course of this man's life, he's missing out on all the milestones of his daughter's life, to yeah, the point including where, her death, including her. <laughs> But dad, I'm dying. And he's got Amy's shrugs. He's just putting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that's the sort of thing I like where it's like, it, it's, it's grounded, but it's playing into the absurdity of the overall concept. Like, Oh, we're putting these two things in the same jar, not for convenience, but to save you time, uh, a minuscule amount of time over the course of your life. Yes. Yes. It's wonderful. <laughs> it is. It's, 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 and the, I think that's also what, because it's at the very end of the episode too, right? Yep. It's the, it's the last sketch we get after the um, evil genius telethon. Yeah. Good one. This, this was a solid one, especially now. And plus, I've been hearing about this sketch for the last how many months? <laughs> Mayo stirred and mustard A and A is absolutely. So that was the only one you had written down for season three, episode five? Yeah, I wasn't. I doubt there wasn't anything in this episode that resonated with me. Okay, I kind of, I kind of have to agree. You know, I, when I, I, I picked this one, I focused in on this one because it had the mustard and stuff in it. This, it isn't, you know, a jam-packed. You know, I, I love it. You know, don't get me wrong. Like the, uh, the swear to God uh, sketch with the cursing televangelist, where he's like, "Now you know, I'm the only preacher with the fucking balls to tell Satan to kiss his ass and that stuff." I've always loved that concept. The landlord sketch is like even weirder to me than the megaphone crooner sketch where it's like the, the landlords are fighting over this tenant that left one place and moved to another, but then it like devolves into some weird, like, I don't know, like almost racist Indian people type of thing. It's, it's very strange. Um, I like, I like the fad three though, where it's, it's like the Beatles parody, but it's, they just take pictures. I've, I've always thought that concept was interesting. Yeah, that that one didn't do much for me. It's okay, like, okay. okay. It's it, it's a Beatles gag. It's like we've been we've seen so many parodies of that. Sure, sure. It's like yeah. okay, like it's fair if you want to do that though, but it's not. It, I didn't think it was anything groundbreaking. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. And then then it's the the Doomsday Doctor X Doomsday Telethon, where he wants thirty million dollars a year. He's gonna blow up the Earth. Um. And that's our big outro. And that one, I definitely agree with you. That one goes on way too long. <laughs> You said a bad word. You got to put money in the swear jar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, please don't kill me. Season three, episode five. So that brings us to our only episode from season four. I'm going to say it again. Titled, It's Insane, This Guy's Taint. So what do you got from this one, Zach? All right. Two. Two sketches I thought were good. The first one, the car change investigative reporting sketch. Oh, the car wash change thief action squad. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of going again, the again, any sort of like gotcha, like I remember like Mad TV would do a couple of these back in the day. I love these sort of like parodies of like gotcha investigative reporting. 
Mm-hmm. Especially they go through this much effort, and the sketch doesn't really even pay off because it cuts off, right? As we're about to find out whether whoever you want to call it, the guy who cleans the car yeah. steals the money. But then again, I think the real payoff that I thought was really good was they go back to do a because I guess the machine breaks, so they have to go back and do a reenactment because all the footage is lost. So they get the guy who was part of the. What would you even call it? The guy who it, originally stole the change. <laughs> yeah, they, they get yeah. him to be there in the reenactment. He steals their stuff. And they yeah. pay him, too. <laughs> we try to get our money back, but we were told no refunds. So so this this is this is what gets me about this sketch. I, I really do like this sketch. This is one of those things where it's like it's so stupidly mundane that and they and they did something with it that I love. I love the concept. Um but so it's like what happens is it starts off and it's like, this is a TV show you're watching. Like, Car Wash, Change Thief, Action Squad is a television program. And they, they go into the story. They get, like, you know, they use the, um, the what, the, the Car Wash, Change Thief, Action Squad computer to show when they went and did this original kind of, you know, uh, try to bust this guy for stealing change. It cuts off. We go to, like, the, we go to the fake commercial for Car Wash, Change Thief, Action Squad, Too Hot for TV. And then when he comes back... It's like, we can't show you the rest of this because the computer broke. And when they say the computer breaks, the other two people on the show, not Bob Odenkirk, they're like, well, we filmed a reenactment. And then they show the reenactment. So to me, I've always taken this as they, they filmed the reenactment the same day that they went and filmed the original car wash thing. And to me, that is utterly baffling because they still had all their equipment there they could just make him steal change again. Like, there's no need for a reenactment. They could just get their car washed one more time, right? They're being proactive. They, they were not- being they were being proactive, and there's literally were like, this needs to be a true reenactment. We cannot reenact the actual experiment. While we can, we need to refilm it. Oh God, that's insane. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know that was uh, funny. Yeah, yeah, that's actually, a good one. And even with the little, like the little garnish and stuff, the little jokes where you know they get the repair man to come in to fix the computer, and Bob Odenkirk is like, "Okay, we're gonna you put the tape in the VHS player so we can watch the uh, the reenactment, and you stay here and make sure this repair man doesn't steal any change and that type of stuff." Like that's all golden. <laughs> yeah, it plays into the overall point of the sketch. Definitely. Okay, that was yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. And the last sketch that I found funny was the, I don't even know what you would even call it, but as I wrote it down, it's like the Louis Faircon impersonation. Taint? Talk about the Taint documentary? No, not the Taint docu- <laughs> docu- uh, documentary. But we have like a pseudo Louis Faircon going about how the Koreans are this, that yes, all people are the, like uh, that. Reverend Kalunda in the show, yep. And we have the, uh, uh, there's probably a name for it though, but he's kind of like his right hand man that's sitting there, kind of like, what do you want to call that? There's a name for that, right? Yeah, I've I've only known that to be like something of a hype man, but I'm pretty yes, sure there's like yes. a technical term for it in that setting, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> yes, he's and after like how the last time this person got in trouble for his comments, he's trying to kind of like soften the blow of them by kind of not correcting him, but providing a little bit more context so it yes. goes down easier. Yeah, what and does he say? He's like, my statements were intricately and twisted and dissected, and my meaning was their meaning was lost. So he's here to you know make his statements more clear. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was funny because again, it's oh, yeah. oh yeah, Louis Farrakhan isn't a big name as much now as he was back then. Mm-hmm. But the idea that again, it's a funny premise that you wouldn't be able to do today. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. I 
I, I think when I was watching these episodes and picking out stuff, I watched this sketch and I was like, Zach is going to like this one. I was like, <laughs> I, I knew that you were going to like this one. And it is a really great sketch because I think um, the, the guy who plays, you know, Reverend Kalunda, Jerry Minor, he delivers it perfectly um, where, you know, he's, he's like. Now, firstly, I stated that Korean shop owners are vampires. Lord suckers. <laughs> this generous appraisal has been intricately surgically misrepresented as an insult. Legends speak of the vampire as a nocturnal creature whose image is not seen in mirrors. So far, so good. <laughs> now likewise, those who own shops often find that they have to work long hours and late until the night and as a result do not have time to reflect upon their accomplishments. <laughs> Smoke screen. Oh, it's perfect. And then what yeah. he, he calls for the he called for the beheading of all white women, and then he, he says he means that he wants them to have beehive hairdos. Oh, yeah. oh, perfect. And then he sums it up with "Be kind, rewind." <laughs> yeah, it's a clever premise. It's it's unique. You you don't see obviously that type of humor nowadays isn't allowed. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like does I don't like it. Eventually, like kind of goes into like a Batman Robin spinoff. Yeah, that yeah, that transition is definitely you know like an out of left field type of thing, um, where Reverend Kalunda has to fight the Windbreaker, and then and then even the the transition after that is you know one of the pows and the and the punches and you know like the uh, the little bubbles that give the sound effects in comics says taint. Yes, <laughs> and then a kid's reading reading it and he's like, I remember the first time I saw it, and then it goes into the the taint documentary, which which you watch two or three times, right? No, I I barely could suffer through that the first time. So. I want to talk about the Taint documentary in the sense of, is this a parody of something? I, I, I've done research, and I can't find anything definitive, but it seems to me like this, this is like, you know, they found some documentary, or there is some documentary about there, maybe not even documentary, maybe a story about, like, the rise to fame of, you know, an adult uh, model or an erotic model or whatever, and this is kind of like a parody of it. D Boogie this, Nights. Boogie Nights? Yeah, it's Boogie Nights. Okay, okay. See that? See, because it always seemed like, you know, this really wasn't like a sketch, something like a sketch they would write, you know? It was, seemed like more they had the foundation for them already from somewhere else, and they filled it in with their own humor in certain places. So, okay, okay. I'll have to look into Boogie Nights. Yeah, Boogie Nights. You ever seen that? No, I don't think so. It was Mark Wahlberg? No, I don't think so. If I did, uh, it would have had to been a long time ago. But no, I don't. I don't believe so. I've definitely heard of it, Boogie Nights. Yeah, because that's that's where he's like the the up and coming porn star. Yeah, that's. And I think the gag of this is like, oh, what if it's a young like up and coming porn star, but instead of having a very large uh, phallus, it's that he has an incredible taint. And I think that's taint. supposed to be the oh, turning it on. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a Boogie Nights parody. It's kind of like oh god, what was the movie Bucky Larson with uh, the same Adam Sandler lackey? And it's like, I, and there's one point in that movie. Oh, I don't know why I remember yeah. this. And I remember at one point he like, like he's getting like he's winning all these like porn star awards or porn industry awards, and he's like, "Thank you for choosing me as best taint of the year. I don't know what it is, but I had to thank my mother for giving it to me." And okay. That's, yeah. And that's, I don't know why I remember that. I that entire movie, I have no idea why I remember that. <laughs> but um, uh, I've only seen that movie once. Yeah, for some reason, that's I guess. It's the taint, I got, man. I think this sketch tells us the taint is powerful, more powerful yes. than anybody expected. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's. I think it's very clearly reminiscent of uh, okay. Boogie Nights with Mark Wahlberg. I'll check it out. Okay, okay. We'll do a bonus episode literally just comparing the two. <laughs> good, 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 good. So you have to watch Taint the Sketch again. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So uh, the other thing I want to say about this is, um, the, of course, where the title of the episode comes from is when David Cross in this sketch is uh, talking to the guy who has the five-inch taint. And he goes, it's insane, this guy's taint. This is our latest discovery, Max Packer. He's got something quite special. I got a five-inch taint. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane, this guy's taint. For some reason, when I when like I watched this whole show with my buddies in undergrad, like this this stuck with us for some reason, and we still regularly say to each other, like, in a, if if it's a sense of like um, amazement, or you know, it's like w- someone will say something and then look at the other, looking for a reaction to be like, oh my god, that's awesome. Many times we'll just be like, it's insane, this guy's taint. <laughs> so that now we have basis for it on cinemodities. I'm gonna be saying it a whole lot more. So how do we get it over to Knights of Vader? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. So so that's our four episodes of Mr. Show. Anything else you had to say about sketches or anything like that? Uh, no, everything else I had to say about Mr. Show is going to be saved for uh, cinemodies and late night movies talk. All right. Well, I, I think uh, that's that's exactly where I want to go next. If you're ready, what do you want to start with? Let's start. Let's switch it up. Let's start with late night movie. Ooh, late night. So I think I probably gave this away already. Uh, this has this has already been a late night movie uh, prior to Cinemodities being in existence. Um, I think you know I talked about it before with things like Spirited Away and and um, Triple to Belleville, uh, Odd Sack. That's where kind of the inception of late night movies came around. But I would say you know even before that, when you know I wasn't thinking of like oh late at night like you know you get people to watch crazy stuff. Where it would just be, you know, hanging out with buddies, I'd be like, you need to see this. Like, this is such a weird and unique and funny show to me that I just found out about. We all need to watch it. It's not so new to me. It's still funny to me. I don't think it's weird, you know, in terms of today's standards. But I'll, I'll still show this to people. I think there's stuff that people can uh, look at and laugh. And, and, you know, if anything, in terms of late night, it has that hook. I could be like, hey, did you know that Saul and Tobias from, you know, Breaking Bad and Arrested Development have a sketch comedy show together? So many people I know would be like, I'm in. Like, let's watch an episode. So it has that hook. So I'm going to go with yes for late night. Probably just because of tradition. <laughs> All right. I would say also yes to late night. Okay. I think this definitely, even though I think a lot of the veneer has worn off of this since its creation. But I think there's enough kooky elements that you could definitely. I'm surprised, again, Comedy Central doesn't play this like at midnight. Mm, I'm, I'm gotcha. surprised. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I know. It's like I know it's on Netflix and it's on there. Though I'm surprised it doesn't show up on cable more. It's probably something cheap to get a hold of to play at night. That's a, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I guess we should. I guess we should mention that. Isn't there like a follow up? Didn't they make like a whole nother like season of this for Netflix? Uh, so it's it's called With Bob and David. So there's no Mister Show attached. And actually, the first sketch of the first episode, of which I think there's only four, unfortunately, that's the thing I was most upset by. That it wasn't like a full 10 episode season or anything. Um, but the very first sketch, they have Jill Talley talking to Paul F. Tompkins, and she says something to him along the lines of, like, hey, this is no joke, and this ain't no show, mister. And then they, there's like this whole bit in the behind the scenes episode where they talk about why they, they like say they want this to be distinctly different from Mr. Show. So it doesn't have the transitions. It definitely is more like a, a traditional sketch comedy show. But it, it's good. I really liked it. I think it has one of the best sketches they've ever done together in there. And it involves 
prolific use of words I know I cannot say on the uh, Knights of Vader podcast, so we should definitely discuss it on there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I think the next time we get to sketch comedy series, uh, we will cover that. We'll do those four episodes, too. That'll oh, be our follow-up. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they did, with Bob and David. Yes, I saw that in my research, and I was curious as to uh, what the context was behind that. I was tempted to put both Mr. Show and with Bob and David in this series, but I was like, no, no, there'll be more sketch comedy. I can break it up. <laughs> Lucky me. All right. Cinemati status. Okay. This is, oh man, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to settle on it. Say that I'm, I'm undetermined or indeterminate oh, as the spreadsheet indeterminate, says. Indeterminate. Because I, I, I don't like to type those in there. I like when we get to fill all the notes up accurately, Zach. But I'm kind of on the fence, you know? I, I feel like, oh, now I want to say a little bit more no to Cinemodities, but back when I first found it, I had never seen anything really like it, and it just struck such a chord with me that I would have, you know, definitely would have called it, said yes to a Cinemodity. But I, I don't know. It, to me, it's just kind of, like, great. I, I, think, I think the way to put it is, you know, Zach said back in our Total Recall episode, like, if it's successful in, or maybe not Total Recall, whatever it was, like, if it's it successful in... If it was successful and good, like how can it be a cinemodity? And with everything I talked about, with how big of an influence this has had, and and how much this you know paved the way for modern comedy, I'm I'm struggling because you know that definitely takes away from its cinemodity uh, status or level, I should say. But at the, at the same time, I'm still kind of thinking, you know, is there anything really there that makes this odd? It's and I don't think it's really odd. I think it's more of you know clever and intriguing ideas that takes the form of sketch comedy. So I, I don't know. I kind of want to say no, but maybe I'll change my answer after I hear your answer, Zach. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say no, not for any other reason, but kind of how I alluded to it earlier for the reason that this doesn't feel as groundbreaking. Now it doesn't hold up after mm. many years. Mm -hmm. It's kind of in that, not in the same vein, but this is maybe a clunky comparison, but in the same way, like Rocky horror picture show, in that, like, oh, it was groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. But nowadays, so many things have borrowed from it. You kind of look at it, and it's tame by today's standards. Exactly. And that's where I have to say no, because it doesn't have that edge that makes it hold up, or maybe the culture. Mm -hmm. The culture's changed along with it, whereas when we get to something like Chappelle's show, like, uh, I guess, spoiler alert for that, I, I would say Chappelle's show is a cinemati for many reasons. But okay. I think one of the more profound reasons why it falls into that category is that Chappelle's show does things in comedy that we're not allowed to do anymore. Yes, like, 100%. <laughs> there's things that happen in Chappelle's show that just are so beyond taboo right now. And it's weird for, especially how, especially how liberal society is getting every day, that we've actually regressed on a comedic level. Mm -hmm. Whereas with this, I think you could, you could, you could re-air this, like, oddly enough, you could re-air this at like 8 p.m., on like a Tuesday night, and yeah. I don't think it would bother anybody. I think people would still find it funny, but again, so much is borrowed from it, and the people who've borrowed from it haven't really improved it that much either, or mm. they have done am done a disservice either. But I think it's in that weird thing where back, like if we were recording this back in like 1997, maybe we'd be like, okay, this is this is weird. This is out there. It airs at like midnight on HBO. It's it's in a weird place. You have to really kind of go looking for it. Yeah. Now it's again, like you said, Bob's Burgers does this humor. Parks and Rec did this humor. It's like so much is borrowed from that, where it's like, eh, 
it's like I guess if if you really like it, check if you like sketch comedy more than sitcom humor, go for it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, I think it firmly falls outside the the bounds of uh, cinematic. Okay, yeah, I think you put it well with that addition. Yeah, I'll stick with no as well. With okay, it's great. This has happened before. It's when we talk about something awesome, but then we have to say no to cinematities. But we got it on there for late night, so yes. one and one. <laughs> We're not split. We're not split, but the spreadsheet is split. <laughs> <laughs> the columns of the spreadsheet are split. All right, so snacks. Snack. Okay, we gotta we gotta get it out of the way, and I'm sure we have to talk about it. I'm sure both of us. What were our thoughts on the mustard and mayo combinations? Uh, I, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure we both thought about it. I was thinking, do we do mustard and mayo sandwiches? Like, that's it? You just have mustard and mayo? Do we just make must-mayo must stardonnais or whatever the, the, com, the com, double combination one is? Do we make that just like a condiment on the train at the restaurant? I, I was thinking, you know, maybe we come out with an even newer version of like, you know, a, a, a quadruple combination and keep adding them together. And I, I don't know, Zach, my brain's racing here. What were your thoughts with the mustard and the mayo? I think we should make it like a cornerstone, the Cinematis restaurant, where we are the exclusive home to this combination. And you can you can have it on any sort of the meal items you want. We sell like, oh God, like special bottles, commemorative bottles with it. We oh. sit there. Yes. Like kind of like when you go to like certain like barbecue places, they have like specific like barbecue yeah. sauces they make in-house. That's what we have. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. And then, you know, do we make it a big point in the restaurant where, you know, we, we have our, our staff tell the customers that it is strictly different from mayo must? Like, it's our own combination of mustard and mayo, not the Heinz one? Exactly. It's the it's like the, what is it, Vonnie's or whatever the, we'll have to go back and look at what the brand of the, the one in the show is. But that's, that's what ours is going to be. Bingo. Okay, okay. I like it. I like it. That's interesting. For somebody to come in and be like, you know, what was the sauce on there? It was really good. And it's like, it was a combination of mustard, mayo, mayo, and mustard. And you can purchase it from us in a jar. To a low, low price of $24.95. Three easy installments of the low, low price of $24.95. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> I think that we should have two payment plans for this. One would be the easy installments, and one would be the hard installments. Uh-oh. The difficult installment. Oh, it's like you have to pay in pennies or something. <laughs> You're the pay in spare change. Ah, that's Let's, see. That's why they're upset that it's getting stolen. Yeah, that's why they're upset it's getting stolen. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So, um, there another idea I had for the restaurant, and then there's one I want to pitch to you, and we can flesh out maybe a little bit. Um, I already mentioned uh, prior, so we could bring it up again. Choo uh, Choo, the Herky Jerky Dancer. I think we got to get him to perform at the Cinematis restaurant. And if Zach remembers, this was just Jay Johnston, one dude dressed up in like a Mr. Rogers-esque looking outfit. And he's just, I I don't even know if it's actually called herky-jerky dancing, but he's basically like running a marathon or a sprint in place. That's what we need him to do. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think right on the Vox Lux stage or in front of, because I don't know if other things... I forget your rules with the Vox Lux stage. If nothing else could be on it, because it was only going to be Vox Lux, but we'll we'll fit him in there for sure. Oh boy! So the Herky Jerky Dancer, Choo Choo, the Herky Jerky <laughs> Dancer. That's his name. And so now, in in thinking of Coupon the movie, and thinking of that regarding snacks, of course the coupon in the movie was for tube socks. It was not for a food item. I got to thinking, 
are we going to have Cinemati's restaurant coupons? Are we going to, you know, ah. go through that level of marketing and kind of what would that be like? So what are, you, what are your thoughts on coupons in general, Zach? Because if you just say, I hate coupons, we're not going to use them at all, then that's fine and we're kind of done. <laughs> all right. I, I have a great idea. This is based on my own real life experiences. I'm ready. And I think it's only fitting for the Cinemati's restaurant that we adopt this practice. I'm not sure if Rob has these in Colorado, but I imagine he does. But like maybe once a month we get something called the Clipper Magazine. That has all sorts of just like local businesses and stuff. Like some of them aren't even that local. Some of them are like, like oh, yes. 120 yep. miles away. And but they have like all these different things. But usually on the cover, it the covers it's uh, restaurants. And once on the cover, it had like a deal, kind of like a oh god, I haven't heard this in a while, but kind of like a Groupon where oh, it was like sure. oh buy X amount and get like double the amount like if you buy $15 get $30 worth of gift cards mm -hmm. but once I got one of these and it said $15 of food for $30 <laughs> so it wasn't even a deal it wasn't a deal you're especially <laughs> buying this gift card to lose money okay $15 okay. of food for $30 so I think we should issue those exact same type coupons. So it's something like forty dollars. It's like forty dollars of food for eighty dollars. Okay. So you, it's it's kind of like buying like oh god, what was it like Disney Disney bucks or Disney dollars? Sure. You are essentially pissing money away. So yeah, I'm thinking of something like the coupon would be like get one entree for the price of two or something like that. You know, <laughs> something along those lines. Something I like that. Okay. That's neat. Yeah. So, okay, good. I was definitely thinking of that. Like they wouldn't be coupons. They would be like anti-coupons type of thing. Right on. Right they're there on. To, it's there to supplement our cash flow when, when the check hasn't cleared from Mark Cuban. <laughs> so how do, I mean, how are we getting people to use these coupons? Are we like relying on their stupidity? Well, a combination of that and that people just figure they see like two different dollar amounts that are like, One's like half the size of the other. They oh, just figure it's a mistake. Yes. And it's like, and the rest of the coupon just has the word like deal and like <laughs> limited time printed on it, you know? And it's like, like all that impulse buy shit that they put hurry, on advertising. Hurry in soon. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Check out our live oyster bar. <laughs> Something to get, to get the people like our caviar fountain. <laughs> Glory hall. Oh, Gloria, that's right. Oh, okay. That's even better. See, I was about to say, if, if somebody looked at a coupon for a restaurant that said they offered a caviar fountain, they might be like, hmm, that seems like a little too fancy for me. But if you add, if it says caviar glory hole, they're just going to be like, no way am I going to that place. It's going to be expensive and their <laughs> but, glory holes. <laughs> but they're going to see the, the coupon that says yes. $15 for 30 Like, oh, man, I can take the whole family out. Those are numbers. <laughs> 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 no okay okay that's good no i really like that yeah definitely on the um, on the coupon it also says live hummers live hummers yes <laughs> and then watch the front counter in smaller text <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's that didn't come up in a while <laughs> no okay i really like that idea i get behind that see uh, the other thing i was thinking of was it, it would be a true coupon it would be a benefit in some way but it would basically be like you, if you have this coupon, you get a free reorder. And so what I mean by that is, let's say, you know, somebody comes in to the Cinemodities restaurant. They don't really know what we do here at Cinemodities. And they look at the menu 
and uh, they call the waiter over or whatever, and they're like, I literally don't understand 90% of the items on your menu <laughs> and how they're described and what they're called. The waiter's going to shrug them off because that's what we tell them to do in our training videos, and they're going to order something. And if they get, you know, they get their dish and it's something crazy, like, I don't know, they ordered, uh, we got something on fire, right? There's something constantly on There's fire something on our on menu. There's something on fire, of course. <laughs> and so they're going to get that and they're going to be like, what? This is, or maybe it's something like 100% inedible. They're going to be like, what? I can't eat this. If it's any customer who comes in and does this, they're going to be like, yo, I want a different meal. The restaurant's going to be like, well, you got to pay for that different meal, you fatso. You're ordering multiple food items. And, you know, it's not even like they can't eat the first one unless you have this coupon. You get one uh -huh. free reorder where you don't have to pay for the second meal. That was my thought. So it would be, be kind of like, you know, we're helping out the newcomers to the Cinematis restaurant, but just a little bit. <laughs> it's called Everybody Gets One. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, the other thing I was thinking of was coupons, was, of course, coupons. You know, like Zach mentioned, his little coupon clipper, all the coupon books that are out there. Uh, uh, they'll have expiration dates. I would love to ship out like Cinemodities coupons that when the people get them in the mail, they're already <laughs> expired. And we get to shut down so many people trying to use these coupons in the restaurant. Be like, I'd be like, ma'am, I'm sorry, this expired in 2012. The restaurant did not even exist then. You're trying to scam us. <laughs> hey, and we also get, we hire the person at the donut counter. And she's, she's the one who takes care of the coupon inquiries. There's only one left. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, okay, coupons. So, yeah, we got, got some coupons working now. That was all I had for restaurant-related stuff. What other snacks or, or uh, events or whatever did you have? I know I took Choo Choo the Herky Jerky Dancer from you, but as long as he's in there. I guess there should be an option on the table that's like a telephone, and you have to order a pizza, but you have to convince somebody to order the pizza without <laughs> alerting anybody else that you've ordered the pizza. Do you want to have like a, one of the walk around characters just be Professor LSD Trails, like freaking out, having a bad trip? Like he just goes from table to table and he's like, I'm freaking out, man. I can taste colors. And they're just like, oh, God, what is this? What is this homeless person doing in the restaurant? And be like, nope, nope, you can tip him. He'll do some crazy shit. <laughs> that's that's who is the homeless person from the music movie series survived the fire. And he found out where we worked. And that's what we do to keep him occupied so he's not harassing us about, like, his insurance bills or his medical expenses. We just say he's that character. Okay, great. <laughs> we salvaged him. He goes around, and that's what he perfect, does. Perfect, perfect. Right on, right on. I dig it. Okay, cool. So so you got to get the uh, the pizza ordering in there somehow. Okay, right on. No, no, we want a pizza. <laughs> All right, anything else, Zach, about Mr. Show? Sketch comedy, episode number two? Um, I like to think that if, if any of our patrons tip in like coins, the 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 cleaner at the car place will <laughs> will come and steal them. Oh, that's that's right because we have the car wash for dishwashing. Yes. So there's a direct line between the people stealing change and our restaurant. Oh God, there's it's a flaw in our folks. security. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Everybody connected, folks. See, when, he's also the bus boy. That's how he makes money. He sits there, he takes the dishes, and he runs and he steals the money when the the waitress isn't around or the waiters. We will never. There's like, going to be a sign on the Cinemodities restaurant door, like the main door, that says, "We do not keep any change on premises." <laughs> <laughs> we like, can't you know, take any chances. They, yeah, when they say like delivery drivers, you know, don't carry more than twenty five dollars or something, they'd be like, "No change at all, and don't pay <laughs> with change." You know, <laughs> change <is> prohibited. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, Rob, any other snacks? No, no, I think that's everything. So, Mr. Show in the bag from here on out, with the exception of the last episode in the sketch comedy series, we're going to be trudging through more things like this. The, uh, the more, um, I guess, normal or traditionally structured sketch comedy shows. Um, and it's going to be good. Next week we have uh, one that I know for sure Zach has told me he wants to talk about, so this will be good. And it's the Amanda Show. So throwing it, taking it way back to the past. Uh, Amanda, I think Amanda, there's going to be Amanda show. I think there's going to be some pre 9/11 episodes, some post 9/11 episodes. It's going to be a good time here on Cinemodities. Other than that, I think that now since we have uh, we're jumping into our sketch comedy shows, truly, uh, we have our Mr. Show intro that we can play in reverse to to play us out. How does that sound? Ah, uh, yeah. Woo! Go get your uh, Zach. I'm dying now. <laughs> Come see my funeral. Stop spreading mustard and mayo on your sandwiches. <laughs> the podcast's ending now, Zach. I, I'm just shrugging, folks. There's nothing else I can do. I need on that's, my sandwich. Oh, that's what we should have done. It should have been only me this entire episode, and the cold open would have been like, Zach, Cinemodities is starting, and you just shrug, and then you don't, you don't show up at all. <laughs> Mom, this is a